Hello and welcome to Everyday Journal number 129, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Matt Dunnigan, Andrew Whitman, Francis, and Kylie Waters. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayjournal. First order of tonight, guys, how has your week been? How has your month been? Uh, what have you been up to? Kai, let, let's start with you. Damn, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been a while. Um, I had an exciting week past week because um, for the first time in my life, I had my own booth at the Gamescom in Cologne in Germany. So I think which is like the, the biggest gaming uh, convention in all of Europe, if not worldwide. It was a crazy week. It's basically just like you know, I had my booth at the artist area, altering cards on the fly. I don't like. I I I made an I made an artwork for this event and also um, did some printed some tokens which we gave away from to people. We all I was also powered by a new startup from Berlin which which is called TCG Vault and we made like this little like lottery um or like a giveaway for um for Dominaria United. And it was just like really really cool to to hang out and you know like to talk to a lot of people who were. Not necessarily from the um, from the trading card game world, you know, like like gamers in general. So it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty sick. Lots and lots of people. So did did you also get like get a lot of people who have never played Magic before but knew do, about the game? Do, yeah, like so many of them. But like the best were like probably like those those kids, like you know, like um, like a bunch of like ten year old kids, like they come to the booth and they're like, hey. So you guys um do you, do you guys play magic? They're, yeah, of course, man. And like you know, they they come close and they're like, oh, ooh, whoa, what what what's that? It's like okay, well, you have never played the game then. This anyway, is like high slipping drugs. Like kids, have you heard of a uh, this doomsday stuff? First one's free. First yeah. deck is free. Your first five think, cards are free. And right? Like, yeah, just like don't don't even mention magic. Just just go like doomsday immediately. Like you know, the, do you know the, do you know those like secret piles? You know, like the double thasis oracle. Hey, have you ever lost half your here. life? I, I know this oracle. <laughs> If <laughs> you lost half your life, holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, it was, it was it was good though, and um, I was I was I was kind of I was really surprised how many people still have cards at home. Like they don't even like they don't even know how much the, those cards are worth. But a lot a lot of people still have magic cards, like in their I don't know in the basement or like in you know like some some shoe boxes here and there. And it's like it's absolutely crazy to me. It is easy to forget how big this game is for our like legacy kind of niche. It's, like it is a household name, and people like so many people have played it. And as you said, just have like boxes at home. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right, and like 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 you showed them a couple of cards. Like I don't know, if you showed them a, a few dual lands, for example, we told them, hey, like the, do you remember these cards because they are super super expensive? And like the what the one guy he he went like yeah like the the half half mountain half island i think i have like a bunch of them at home <laughs> it's like yeah but well it sucks you know because it just gets destroyed by effects that destroy mountains and islands that says <laughs> on the card <laughs> right yeah by tsunami and uh whatever destroys mono mountains but yeah <laughs> but it was it was a it was a, a pretty um exhausting week of course but uh it was also a lot a lot of fun there were a bunch of artists there um mostly from like the the manga anime part of things but um it was, it was sick really um can your, only recommend your style does have like a crossover there as well so i bet there's a lot of people interested in just your stuff like your the art you made for it that fish is incredible i gotta say um, oh thank you if you have some tokens left i'd love to get some thanks dude yeah it's like uh dude, like a lot of people who go to the gamescom didn't really go there necessarily because of the games but just just because they kind of wanted to hang out and like it, it was like same for, for me i was literally just i was literally just hanging out you know did like you have time me. to like walk around and see a couple of other booths or were you at your one? 
Uh, yeah, about like 20 minutes per day. Really, <laughs> okay. like I mean, like time schedule was super, super. Like, so you didn't you know, get to like play tight. Street Fighter Six. I did not. I saw it though. I saw it though. But like, you know, you gotta like imagine that like they're like I, I think like about eight halls, and they're so gigantic. Like one of like and all for e Street Fighter. Wow. <laughs> Of course, of course, Street Fighter only. Show some love, but uh... Street Fighter, Street Fighter Town over here, and then we have a, like a ninth hall for everybody else. Right. <laughs> cool. But yeah, that was Gamescom. Awesome, Callum. What have you been up to? Have you also been to Gamescom ever before? No, I'm like, yeah. I was like, this is your domain. I've never been to like a big kind of Gamescom. I'm not. I haven't really played video games, so I don't know the kind of Street Fighter world and stuff. And no. Get out of here, kids! With like your Street Fighters and Stop. and Mario Karts and your Donkey Kongs. I don't know if anyone likes that <laughs> shit. No, so I haven't. But I stayed inside all weekend, like a proper nerd, like not going out and talking to people and stuff. I um, I don't know. We had like work has been insanely busy the last two weeks, and I had nothing on. And I was like, I'm, this is perfect. It's a it's a bank holiday weekend, so I was off work today as well. And I was just like, I'm gonna stay in, and it was really nice. I actually had a ticket for a gig on Saturday, like just completely forgot was on. And didn't go. Ooh. And then there was a gig last night, which I forgot to go as well. So, you know, real, real hermit vibes coming on. But I played both the challenges and did really well on the Saturday one. I played Painter in both. And um, those Tell are us. Of, yeah. Did, did you win a match or two? I, well, Sunday, no. I'll start off with the bad bit. Sunday, I went 3 4 and like had some very close losses. And whop, whop, whop. Was very... I heard you lost to Chess Guy like twice. Yes. So, Isn't that like, so bad? Well, the thing is, so Painter is <laughs> incredibly good against um, Just Guy Control, and before this, I'd lost like one match against Control decks, and does. And you're not, uh, sorry to interrupt you. You're not even like like talking shit. You you actually kept track right of your last two hundred matches. Yeah, so I've got I've got a spreadsheet where I've been keeping track, and literally against Control, I I was like twenty something in one. This is like Just Guy Control, full color control, um, like. I mean, uh, I can imagine, right? Without like stuff. like the I win button of something like Entreat the Angels that you eventually just grind yeah. them out most of the time. Yeah. So I found out why I lost these two matches yesterday. The the list got published today and both of them had three mentors and I lost both to mentor. Ah. Uh. The first loss was like a big punt on my part. I, as soon as, you know, when you like do something, you're like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And you, while you're tapping the things, you're like, yeah, I know this is wrong. And I did something stupid and I got massively punished for it. So I lost that fair and square. And then the second one was against um, Kihara Works, who has forgotten the name. Oh, Kihara, yeah, Kihara Atsuki. Yeah, he, yeah he, he's an he's like I think he, he's, like, he's like the guy who had like he has like the most GP finalist title. Like like he has he's like oh, yeah. I, I think like yeah he, he went like second in a GP like I think like three or four or five times. Oof, That's crazy. Never, never one of them in a Legacy Grand Prix was in Chiba 2016 with mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jessica Miracles against Sneak and Show. That's the one I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I knew him and I knew it's going to be an incredibly tough match. And it was insanely close, like came down to the wire. But I think I must have made some mistakes there. But yeah, the difference was up until this, like I hadn't been facing that many mentors. It's just like all planeswalkers and stuff. And they're easy because this current build of painters just like poops out loads of creatures here and there everywhere and stuff. And the planeswalkers are just not that effective. Like Narset's kind of okay against some parts of Fable, Teferi's like whatever. And you have Furies to just chip them down. So it's always been really easy, but three mentor that's what did me in both times so um what about cheetah yeah fair beats fair beats i did i do have like four furies and three bolts in the deck so you can <laughs> kill them sometimes but like they're starting to play hydroblast as well so if they can like get to a state where they go mentor something something you'll probably see more hydroblast in the format these days 
yeah, I think so many good red cards. Hydroblast also counters Minsk and Boo, which is one of the most yeah. dominating cards of whatever hits the board. And, and Maddening Hex. Yeah. <laughs> oh, think... to, to interrupt you there, have you seen that that sweet uh, Japanese tech against Maddening Hex and Ad Nauseam Storm? I've, I've seen it, yeah. I, 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 I saw it like the, uh, yeah, I saw it the other day, dude. What a poopy tech. Holy moly. <laughs> glacial Chasm. Yeah, you just like, you get one Glacial Chasm down, it counters all of the Maddening Hexes your opponents might even have. It's, it's cool. insane. And, and so this is, this is the build that plays like a uh, Tellarian West, I think it is. is it? Oh, does it? I think so. I mean, it would make sense. Can also get LED, I guess. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess. Have, cool. you, have you ever spent like three mana to get an LED? Holy <laughs> shit! I mean, people dude. play. What's it called? Not just demonic tutor. The the, the one that costs five thousand euros or something. Wait, oh, what? Grim tutor. Grim tutor, tutor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people sometimes play that. You mean uh, Martin Bonasek? Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> <Right>. basically him. <laughs> I remember yeah. when he wanted to play the uh, Deathrite Shaman in uh, Ant. He did. Uh, he he crushed Yeah, it but then they too. banned it. Yeah, so you never really of, like got him. to showcase it properly. Definitely because of him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so much for Sunday. Uh, I hear you did a slightly better on Saturday, right? Yes, yeah, Saturday was great. I uh, I won the challenge and I got a nice 9-0 sweep. So I mean, like so won lucky. every single match. So lucky. Indeed. So lucky. <laughs> oh, just the luckiest. Um, it makes it all like a bit nicer when you, when you sweep it. And even in the last round when we were, me and my opponent were the only 5-0s, they said, do you want to draw? I said, I sure. It, like because there's no play draw on magic online it doesn't matter who won there we were both locked so i said sure but i have like quite a high construction rating on magic online so i was like this is dumb but i don't want to concede yeah so I, was, I like it i like it so i said you can concede or we can play i don't mind and then he said cool let's play and i was like awesome so i'm really glad we did now because i get to actually brag about the 9-0 rather than the 8-0 and a draw but we did actually play <laughs> i did actually win so um yeah it was awesome like this is a build i've been kind of like like the, the the painted discord we have like a kind of mono red x area and we've been like making changes here and there and like two or so weeks ago i said i'm going to try without cons and so since then i've been playing without cons and i th i personally think it's one of the best changes to the deck in a long time mm -hmm. um we went to four fables because that card is incredible i'm now browsing through like options to find ways to draw fable more basically i would play eight of that card in this deck if i could so fable is the the reason this deck is feeling so good in my opinion and um yeah cut the cons cut and staring bridge i've kind of ranted about how i don't like staring bridge a few times and this deck is just humming it's like it's got a low curve but it's got tons of mana sinks and tons of things to do with your mana like a lot of the time um the fable is just really does everything it's just incredible and so i feel like you win with the combo like just over half the time, but you win with beats like a lot of the time as well. So it's one of these kind of combo control decks that's incredibly hard to play versus as well. It's hard you can to even play aggro, out. right? Sometimes when yeah. you get those Uta Saga draws. Yep, totally. Like, mm. I mean, the kind of draws it has is like sometimes it plays a turn one fable into like a turn two fable. Sometimes it has just like turn one painter with a blast up or whatever against combo. Sometimes you go like uh, ancient tomb painter, ancient tomb grindstone, kill them. <laughs> sometimes you go right. like turn one saga turn two soul land um sometimes you just have like a goblin's draw like turn one welder turn two engineer and, like especially four decks in a single deck this is insane it just does a ton of things it has a ton of play to it it, it can be tricky like i i'm still messing up a lot it's like part of the difficulty of it is like knowing your role in the matchups and stuff and that is because it's a deck that doesn't play cantrips you don't get to decide your role a lot of the time sometimes you get you make the decisions based on like the half of your deck you've drawn or what more powerful parts of that you've drawn and stuff. Um, 
Right. But it really feels like as game against everything. Um, I've been keeping. I mean, that's as... the beauty of always having like having some archetype, and then there's a combo in there that will always give you game against almost anything, right? Yeah. Because you always have the combo out, even if like something doesn't work out. There's always like this this one two punch, like you mentioned, turn one, turn two. Exactly. I was talking to Max Gilmore, who's Max Sorshin last night. We were playing a couple of matches on Discord. And um, he said this deck is like what he's been trying to build with mid-range Doomsday, which is like, it's a mid-range Esper deck, but against the bad matchups, you just combo them. He said this deck does it, but it just feels way more like, it just flows way better. So, um, Oh, and by the way, since you're not mentioning it, I want to mention it. I think you're you are at almost 2,000 ELO on Magic Online. Versus... Yeah, not, not anymore after Sunday. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I got to 1,973, which is super uh no 76 even so yeah that's that's definitely my highest ever 1976 and what and has been your win rate over those 200 matches that you tracked so i've got it open now i've got 203 matches tracked i'm at 75 percent win rate that's insane like we usually yeah, say like the yeah. in, in the long run like the really good players especially when you're on it hit like 60 mm -hmm, 60 right. something in the long run like in the short run yeah everybody can like spike a couple of leaks yeah. but in the long run people usually settle for i think when uh um uh, tom hep had this insane run with mm -hmm. all the versions of Dark Depth. He he was sitting at sixty something, and yeah, yeah this is so, you've been yeah. crushing like almost no deck before. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I um, I'm like when I when I play a league and I four one, it's like oh, it feels kind of average. I, I, don't, <laughs> I was about to foreshadow this. With, I was about to say this. I don't mean to sound cock or anything, but the deck. Oh, is but you do. But you do. Good. But keep going. I like that. <laughs> the deck is feeling that good. It's um. I also will add these two hundred matches is including like half of it's the Khan and Once Upon a Time version, and I think the this current one is better. I haven't. I I added it up the other day. Oh, yesterday afternoon it was like eighty four percent over about seventy games. Uh -huh. 70 matches so yeah. 84 over 70 matches yeah on magic online yeah yeah dude <laughs> so that... next we, we can't wait for the next gp yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so well look this this deck is it's hard to play against people don't play against it that much i am playing leagues which are a bit softer than challenges and bigger events so the, these numbers are from four challenges now three of them i've done really badly at i've gone four three or three four and one of them i won and the rest is leagues so there's a pinch of salt to be taken here, definitely. But overall, it's it's really, really crushing. And I think, yeah, this I think it's one of the best decks I've ever played in Legacy. Yeah, you know I what mean... I like about that deck? Uh, yesterday, I put it on my wish list on Card Market. I included everything, uh, including the versions I want. So basically all the old frame cards, original printing, which made it a little bit more expensive than it could be. I excluded the two City of Traders. And then I, I used their shopping results to basically give me the best deal. And it came down to 900-something euros. And that's, yeah, that's for cool. an insanely powerful legacy deck. And and you mentioned like the two city of traders, they're not critically essential. Like they're nice to have. I think they're like 200 something each. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you can't play the cities because you don't have them, uh, I think you re recommend it to other cards. Yeah. So it, it, it is a nice and cheap deck. Like Painters are actually quite expensive. So they're part of the money and then sagas as well. But yeah, if you don't have city of traders, just play a Lotus Petal over the first one. And then I think like just play another mountain. Um, but someone suggested Crystal Vein you could try. But I was going to say Crystal Vein, maybe. I mean, yeah. Crystal Vein basically does the same, right? Kind of. At once. Like, the thing is with City, very often you just go like Mountain, Mountain, City, and then you just don't play another land. Like, the deck operates off low lands mm. pretty often, then you just keep it in play, which Crystal Vein right. doesn't do. Um, basic Mountains are just really, really good in the deck. Like, you want to hit the Basic Mountains, you want to hit your land drops, you don't get wastelanded. It's, it's 
you can you can play one you can play one lowest pedal over a city and then the first city is really good like when you draw one it's a very very strong card in the deck so i would right. tr try and pick it up the other nice thing there's no lines of diamond i've been off that card for months now in painter i don't think it's good in this version it's it's good when the format's fast and you want to combo faster and stuff or if you're using Khan and staring bridges a lot, but this is not the format for that. This is this is the Delver format. This is the three blasts, uh, <laughs> seven blasts, three bolts, two furies format. Seven blasts, main deck. Yeah, I'm gonna go to eight if I can find mm. a spot. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's as, as long as Murktide stays legal. Yeah, people are playing like yeah, Murktide shredders and EIs just. Kill I mean, that's the beauty of, of Fable of the Mirror Breaker, right? You you get yeah. to do that. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm trying to find if there's any other kind of cards that incidentally loot as well for the deck, but Fable is on, on another level. The Kiki side as well, like copying Furies is just disgusting. Um, yeah, even copying Engineers was, was quite good. Copying Engineer, right. like combo out of nowhere. Um, copying like Twin Shots and Brayer's Apprentices is really good as well. It's just like the deck plays like this. It just curves out. It plays creatures and all of them are very scary. Like welder and engineer when they get going like they're bringing a braze apprentice in and out or they're threatening to combo combo you like from turn three or turn four um or like with twin shot welding in and out against creature decks um all these things just like require an answer so yeah they do get answered the whole job of goblins is like to get countered or, or killed poor things they are absolutely beautiful i promise and then they just make room <laughs> for you to combo and your opponents be run out of removal or you know they run out of removal by the time the, the fable flips or you have a fury unchecked and stuff. And so you just threaten this beatdown plan and um you just threaten so many things with this deck, that's the thing. You can you can curve out really nicely. But you also have this very strong reactive control plan of like if you are playing against combo and you have a painter down, you're playing seven like counter spell slash vindicates. And especially with it has three seeming spirit guides in the deck, um you could like the fast mana from them and the surprise blasts or like or paying for days with them is very strong. So you really morph into this it is a combo control deck in a way, but with a strong beatdown plan. It just plays all these different roles. It's... Plays all the cards. <laughs> it does all the things. It just, it just does everything. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like, yeah, like one one thing that really stood out to me was um, you, you played a full a full playset of Mags of the Moon in the sideboard. Now, usually like Mags of the Moon or like any any Blood Moon effect kind of is like a no go with Usa Saga. I've heard, but uh, like oh yeah. Yeah, maybe you want to tell me something about this. Magus is incredible. People have always played Blood Moon and Painter and stuff, and so when with the number of Saga, like people just started playing Sagas and cut this effect completely. And then for a very long time, I had like two Blood Moon in the sideboard. I was like, there's some matchups where you just really want this effect, and because you have these Soul Lands and Fast Mana, like ten one Blood Moon effect is super strong still. And I used to side out some number of Sagas, but I was like, if you have a Magus down, if it's in a matchup where you want this effect, then it's probably going to win the game. I don't side it in against things like where it could be removed. I don't side it in against like the control decks that have a basic planes and source of power shares. The exception is like the four color decks. Yeah, you don't side it in against lightning bolts decks basically, but you side it in against like bug piles. It's actually like a massive combo hoser. It's insane against Doomsday and Ant and these kind of oh, things. Oh, don't say that. Don't yeah. say that. It's <laughs> someone messaged me saying I need help against Doomsday, and I said Magus is the best card in, oh, in the dude, whole deck. Please, please, please stop. <laughs> yeah, shit. do you have some nightmares about what we played? Dude, yeah, always. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I, I kind of like that you chose Magus of the Moon because it's that's because Buzeju, I suppose, right? Yeah. So Magus yeah. is because. We are an artifact-based deck. Like, there are artifacts in it, and people play artifact removal, and they bring in against you regardless, and it has tons of crossover with enchantment removal. So there's Force of Vigor, there's Peseju, who endures, there's, like, Serenity, there's... Um, it doesn't get hit by Meltdown, sure, but, like, 
there's just a ton of things that have splash damage there and you 100% know these people are bringing these things in already and the other thing is a lot of the decks that like Magus is good against also have these things because Blood Moon is good against them so if you're playing against like Host or Ant or whatever um, or Lands Lands has Punching Fire so it's a bit hit in there but they still they still have more Force of Vigor kind of effects than Punching Fires in their deck so Magus just gets hit by less like um, interplay Tony Murata plays zero removal for Magus in his post deck which is probably right like people don't play Magus too much maybe until now but um, Magus just doesn't have that splash damage and um, right. I kind of went through every single lit, like matchup where I want this effect and it was just overwhelmingly in favor of Magus right. um, it's also like insane against Death Shadow when you're playing against it like, there they can float mana and push it but like push is not even that popular in the deck it's usually snuffed yeah. out so they uh they need to have the snuff out right there. Well, they can't snuff it out. They need to have, yeah. need to have full mana and float. <laughs> right. They got no swamps. Yeah, I feel. I feel like the filthiest thing about this deck, um, about this like Usa Saga build, is that it looks really fragile to a Blood Moon, right? Because. Mm. But then you, you you swap them for for blood for your own blood moon. So like you know, I think like no one really comes pre prepared in like game number two or three, mm -hmm. you know, for blood moon effects because like your your deck again like you know plays Usa Saga. Yeah. So that, yeah. That, that that's such a that's such a bold move. Holy man! Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, really, it's, it kind of is and kind of isn't. Like again, it's 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 just like a well, if if you have Magus in play, yeah, your sagas are turned off. But the Magus usually it's very boring gameplay, but you usually play it and the opponent concedes like ten turns later. Or five, if right. you're attacking other things, like it's it very very rarely gets removed. You do have to like slow play them in some matchups, like against lands. I usually try and get a painter plus blast down first and stuff. But mm -hmm. sometimes you're given a hand with a turn one magus and you just like make them have the punching mm -hmm. fire. <laughs> and okay. um, yeah, it, it it does attack as well. Like being a being a thing that attacks is super relevant. Yeah, especially against combo, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh yeah. So cool. yeah, it's really good, and yeah. If you have a saga in your hand when you play it, well, yeah, you're, you're okay. probably, it probably doesn't matter. Is the whole gist of it? Maybe all the listeners are really interested in, in like the like what is what is like the weak point of this deck? Maybe like what like is there like one deck that's really really good against this deck specifically? Yeah. So the worst matchups are decks with Emrakul in. Very specific. Sneak and Show is the absolute worst matchup. I think you have Blast for Show and Tell, but you have very little interaction for Sneak Attack. There's a Pivot Needle on the sideboard, which obviously comes in, and you try and find it straight away, but um. Emrakul decks are a real, real nightmare. I played against Omnitel in the final of this challenge, and they got game one because I couldn't. So this is where Solgai Lantern is like the most important card. So rather than finding Painter and Grindstone, you need to find both of them and a Solgai Lantern. So with the Emrakul triggers on the stack, you can crack the Solgai Lantern and exiles their graveyard, so you still get to combo them. And I did manage to do that in game two and game three, but like I had it, we had some counter battles, we had some back and forth. Game three ended with them with like two omnisciences in play, but I had managed like my break trap account trip the turn before, and like, <laughs> we had some weird back and forth. So it was a super tight game. But um, sneaker to bring your best painful. Yeah, <laughs> sneakers. Uh, sneak attack is just even faster. They have more fast mana. They have yeah, it, it's a real nightmare. Otherwise, I found the the blue zenith deck actually quite hard. Um, I think I've only played it four times that I've tracked, and I'm one three. Uh, oh, it's two and three now. But um, yeah, that one's hard because they have a lot of varied hate. So usually fair matchups are good because Painter can grind through a lot, but they have a real end game of like Green Sun for Primeval Titan or whatever, or Omnath and stuff. So they, and then they have Yorian to blink all their things on the thing. And so they kind of like, they tax your blasts. So, and then they have the, the high end to go over it. And then they have just randomly like a Plague Engineer for your Goblin Welders and then a Knight of Autumn for your 
Urza's saga is always brutal. And then they have like an oof that always comes from the greens and zenith. And then they do play like ending and swords and stuff. So I find it when they have a, like a mid range or control deck has very varied pieces of interaction that can be tough. Otherwise, I'm three and four in the mirror. Does that count? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows paint up bad against paint up apparently. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If a lot of them actually have Karn, I guess that's like a trump card in the mirror. Not so much with Fury. Okay. No. Fury is the oh, uh, Fury is insane. Like keeps hitting yeah. planeswalkers, right? Fury is the best card in the mirror, like hands down. Not even close. Just like it's the same way the Moonstompy matchup goes. Whoever draws more Furies usually wins. And it's the same for Painter. If you have Karn in the Painter mirror, like yeah, previously that was just like basically GG. But with four Furies now after sideboarding, especially with the the Fable like copying it. Yeah, <laughs> you just completely destroy uh, Fury. So, are you actually gonna go over your matchups? I think you mentioned something that you might want to stream a review of your of the challenge you won. Yeah, so I plan to do that. I don't know when. Um, probably probably this week. I'll find a time and try and announce it before I do it. But I will save it, and we're gonna put it on your YouTube. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna link it on the podcast, uh, yeah. in the Discord, on the Twitter, on my Twitter, on your Twitter, and everybody's. Which it's still trying to hack Barack Obama's Twitter. He he will also tweet <laughs> about it. <laughs> but yeah. Finally. Quick run through of matchups was um, round one was against Jeskai Delva. It was against a guy called Davy286, if I remember right. This is someone that plays quite weird versions of stuff. So they still have like the Delvas, the Merktais, the DRCs, and stuff. But like the last list they had posted had like two Enlightened Tutors for random pieces of hate, Energy Flux, and whatever. So they often play Stifle as well. They, you never know what's coming out of this player. So that was tough. It was some close games. Round two was versus DNT. <laughs> Can you guess my record versus DNT with this? Uh, I know your record versus DNT. I think it's twelve and oh. It is. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Really? Is it that good? Holy yeah. moly! It's a really, really good matchup. Then round three was against like Jeskai mid range. It was just um, Shredders, Merktides, DRC, the usual. But then like Swords and Prismatic endings. And no mentors. No mentors. No. So I got I got to win that one because no mentors. Um, I noticed that they hadn't played a single bolt against me in the first game so i bring in maguses and game two i played one and they conceded with it on the stack so oh <laughs> that worked very um, attentive yeah round four was against green white depths against um baum who's in our discord we had some cool games um we had a really interesting spot in game three because they got me game one i was like set up with a lot of draws to combo them like tons of i like fable unflipped and welders everywhere so i was like as long as i draw something an engineer or a grindstone i win but kind of ripped a few turns and then game two and three, I think I managed to get the combos together fairly easily. Um, this is a matchup where before when I had like Khan and Once Upon a Times, there was less fast mana in the deck. But basically I've added like a Petal and two Spirit Guides and a Soul Land since cutting those things. And it makes a huge difference in this matchup. You you gain a turn ahead of them basically because they can combo turn three-ish and you can com definitely combo turn three very often. So... That helps tons. Or just like getting a painter down and naming blue so you can blast the depths when they go to combo is big. Mm -hmm. um, mm. So that matchup, I, f I used to play like run afoul or like try and f like have Incinerian Bridge never work because they always have Endurance or Prismatic Ending and stuff. But now I've just found like, yeah, blasting their dark depths or comboing them fast was the best thing. Um, <laughs> Basic game plan, best game plan. <laughs> yeah, just kill their lands. <laughs> Round five, Ruby Storm. I got really lucky here. Um, game three, they kind of multi five and tried to go for it with a seething song into like draw three exile top three thing and they hit all three lands and so they went galvanic relay for i played a turn one painter and i had um some like blasts available and then they went then they galvanic relayed for like six or something and hit all non-lands but like tons of mana 
So I untapped and blasted both their lands, and then they didn't draw another one. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You're such a bully, man. <laughs> See it. I thought, like, you would have, like, the most elaborate sequence of events coming up. It's like, I untapped and double sinkhole them. Yeah, I was, because they had, like, an ancient human mountain. I was, like, looking at their things, and they had, like, Ride of Flame. There was one Lotus Pedal. There was, like, a Jessica's Will. There was another Draw 3. There was a defense grid. There was, like, tons of stuff. And I was like, shit. You went just... to full monkey mode. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Destroy, destroy. I was like, shit, I'm just dead. And I was like, oh, I can just kill that land. Sweet. Yeah. So I did that. Anyway, I started blasting. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Killing lands, you don't do it much in this deck, but when you do it, it's insanely good and feels great as well. <laughs> Round six was against Aluren. This is the one where we were talking about splitting and he said, let's play, which again, I'm super happy we did. I lost game one and then game two and game three, I think I magus them and yeah. They're a bug deck, so Magus. Uh, <laughs> quarterfinals was against Jessica Midrange, the same opponent I played earlier. Um, I did lose a game here, but I think, again, I don't remember exactly what happened, but either Magus or Combo, like, it's a pretty good matchup generally. They have a very slow clock, they don't have Mentor, and you can blast their threats, so it's fine. Uh, semifinals is against, like, my idol, was against Kanakan, so a Japanese player that plays Bomberman, like, the only person that's brave enough to play Bomberman, like, exclusively online. online. Yeah, so game one, I lost to a Khan into bridge, and I couldn't really like. I didn't. I didn't find a fury essentially for the Khan, so that's fine. And then game two, I think I found a pretty fast. No, game two was sick actually. So game two, they had like a very good draw as well. They had like they had a Khan, and then they had a um, Oryx Salvages with LEDs and Walking Blister around. But I'd played a turn two engineer. I'd played a turn one welder, turn two engineer. I did a chalice as well. So I went turn one welder, they played chalice. And um, I searched for Pither Needle with the engineer. So then they played a Khan. I welded in the Pither Needle in response. And then I got to, <laughs> I got to attack the Khan down with a construct I made. And then they untapped and like played the salvages. And I got to sacrifice it to the engineer, and then bring it back in with the, with the welder again to name the salvages. And then. <sighs> Yeah, basically Ooh. the needle just hard carried that game. I weld, I welded in and out in the face of a uh, chalice multiple times. You know, this is actually like it's a real martial arts style. Like they bring mm. on all the different techniques, and you're like, <laughs> like the needle yeah. keeps flipping around. Like I see them like throwing punches high and low, and you're just like easy. <laughs> like you know that that stereotypical martial artist just like yeah. uses two fingers to stop the attack. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, it was really cool. I actually watched the replay of that afterwards to see if I did everything right, and it was like this kind of game where you make one mistake and you lose it on the spot because they just kill you combo you out of nowhere so. we're in the matrix you were seeing the code <laughs> yeah indeed and then game three they had a turn two kill with um oryx salvages and like two leds and they even played the salvages through a cavern identified painter out but i bought it in three my traps in this matchup so i got to, so i got to grab the um i think i played a turn one fable actually but i managed to hit the Oryx salvages, and then I'm pretty sure I hard cast the Myrick Trap off two treasures from attacking with the Goblin Shaman as well. <laughs> so yeah, Myrick Trap came in clutch there. And then finals against Omnitel. I think I went over it quickly already, but lost game one, game two and three. I managed to find the um, Soul Guy Lantern with with the combo, but I had a ton of interaction for their things. Like I blasted some cantrips as well. Um, I counted like three or four show and tells of the games, and kind of just about got there. 
importantly, you can't name blue against this matchup because they play veils. So when you go to like grindstone them, if they have a veil, they get protection from themselves. So Ooh. you got to name. A, I think I can't remember what I named, but not white and not blue or black. <laughs> uh, remind me again why why are you not supposed to name white? Uh, I, I saw you also mentioned that in another yeah. stream. This is a um a, a moral thing. If you're a combo deck, you can't name white because white is just not for combos. Straight up. Oh, I thought it was like deeper. <laughs> no, no. Combo no, decks, that, combo decks are not white. Yeah, no. We are we're an honorable combo deck. Like if you if you make white mana off an LED, you're you're losing that game 110%. <laughs> I watched uh Anorag and Jarvis U play a, a Belcher mirror when I got everyone to play Belcher a few years ago. And Jarvis oh, yeah. had the Tilmon kill, um, activated his LED for white mana and activated Char Belcher and the tiger was the second card. So <laughs> Punished. <laughs> oh dude I don't know that was say. amazing that was yeah. amazing that, that was like when we got i, I want to say like 20 people in a challenge to play <laughs> yeah. belcher and there was this one guy and we like we reconstructed their matchup <laughs> and they literally played against belchers five rounds in a row and was, then they it dropped four. it was four but they were playing burn they played against belcher the first four rounds the first four rounds <laughs> and the last round they would have played against belcher yeah. again yeah then they dropped. Oh. <laughs> but they dropped that like, was the that... best story to come from it <laughs> Uh, I think there have been a couple. Like, didn't we even like release the Belcher Bible or something? I think uh, um, uh, Orem actually released the Belcher Bible or something, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that... Yeah. Yeah. Orem did. Yeah. 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 I want to do that cool. again. It was so fun. But, um... We, we got to figure out which deck. Maybe it's Belcher again. <laughs> it's got to be Belcher again. Like <laughs> Belcher's like iconic. It's obviously not as good as like Oops and stuff, but Belcher's just like the coolest one. You know, always like how people on paper they're like, okay, your your tiger is actually supposed to be a foil Russian stomping grounds or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what's actually an insane addition to Belcher? Four Fable in the sideboard. Holy shit! Uh, actually, that's really good, right? It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. You might even play almost play it like in the main deck. You don't really need it. You just yeah. like blast it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. So yeah, um, I have a primer in the works. It's um, I'm hoping to do it like pretty nicely it's going to go over like all the because paint is still a bit niche and stuff it's like not everyone knows the roles of everything so i'm kind of trying to go fairly in depth and talk about a lot of things and stuff so that'll come hopefully in the next week or so but i don't want to make a promise because i'm not sure yet cool yeah all right so yeah that's what i've been up to um lots of painting uh hopefully anyone that picks up the deck has some fun painting there's the cool thing about the deck is it has like tons of depths and options and stuff so this is what i think this this build is very good for the format right now there'll be formats where like you do want khan again there'll be formats for splashes the white splash is good against combo and stuff but um yeah for now this mono red one is kicking ass so i recommend it highly oh, what a great deck what a great deck I, like it really i'm torn between like building this or maybe even at some point i have second in paper it's also uh, aesthetically yeah. beautiful i i have i'm a stickler for i like having old border cards and nice yeah most important question game. actually i've got to go about that uh choice of mountains so i in my in paper i have ice age ones um yeah yeah i just think they look really cool i bought loads for the deck when astrolabe was legal and i just love the artwork like the actual snowy mountain so mm -hmm. i use mm -hmm. them online i have mirage ones so i do have the mirage ones in paper as well so i'm always split oh but, those are beautiful yeah yeah mirage is just sick but i think i'm gonna buy some portal ones for paper next um <laughs> I can't. I think it's the second age. But they have like super, super dark, imposing mountains. Um, yeah, I was reminded by how much I love them from Doomwake was streaming, and he had some on, in his uh, one of his decks. And portals when I got into Magic, so it's kind of kind of nice. So yeah, portal next. But any mirage, Damn. you can't get wrong. 
That's sick. Yeah, I think like um, like mountains are absolutely under underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many, so many cool looking mountains. Even I kind of like those uh, from Portal uh, Three Kingdoms as well. Like they are white bordered, I know, but yeah. are they have like a <laughs> somewhat unique artwork? Like no one plays them. You know, like no one, no one really plays them. That, that's that... super cool. Yeah, I'll try and find the the um, Portal one. I mean, but yeah, they're they're all good. Portal lands are amazing and underappreciated yeah. as well. I think. Actually, might be yeah. I I'm not I, I like I like beta basics uh, especially for like islands um planes as well I'm not so, such a giant fan of the beta mountains um mm. yeah I had um, I have two but paint is now playing four and I was like I I like these other lands <laughs> enough to to play, to play honestly other like I I think the the um, the guru ones are also really nice but I have oh. no idea they might be like too expensive oh these they're days. they're super expensive yeah guru is lovely but way out of my budget yeah is it like a hundred or something I'm sure Easily. three or four I think. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Now I gotta look it up. I had no idea. Like, I'm, I'm always constantly wrong about this stuff. So yeah, Just I remember when they were like twenty or something, and people were like, "Oh, nobody buys that at twenty. It's crazy." <laughs> <laughs> Expansion, Guru, Guru Lens. Here we go. Mountain starts on MKM at two fifty. You're right. Oh. So it's probably more like okay. It starts at two fifty for a poor one. That's yeah. basically been like yeah that. It basically starts at three hundred at, at three to four hundred, right? Yeah. I mean that that's the thing, right? Like if 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 you buy a Guru Lens, you probably want to buy them in yeah, like near mint or excellent, you know, yeah. in a good condition. Like it's like I, I don't know, like it's it's like the shittiest pimp if you ha- if you pimp something and that's <laughs> like in poor conditions. Like dude, like what like what's the purpose, you know? Yeah. But with that poor one that looks so bad, they might actually need to invent another category. <laughs> this is like beyond <laughs> poor. This is like cut in half almost. <laughs> oh gosh, I have some super super beat up. Um, FBB bolts um, in the deck. They are like really, really bad condition because they were cheap and I needed to get some. Well, they so, tell a story. It's like when you have a scar somewhere. Yeah, there's totally my scar from MKM from last week. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, when you ever sell them, you, you need to like include a certificate of authenticity. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. The, this card has been torn because I played it in the finals of the World Championships in 1998 or something. This is from the great uh, Dragon Rage Channel Awards of 2022. <laughs> Which awesome. is the only reason I play bolts, by the way. That fucking card is the only reason I have bolts in this deck. If that card wasn't in the format, you can cut bolts and feel good about it. Ah, I was wondering oh, because really? I, I shared okay. the list locally and a couple of painter players. They were like especially interested in the bolts because they, mm-hmm. they immediately went ahead and cut the bolts, of course. That's just like Dra- how it uh, goes in magic. <laughs> it's not the most fun card, but you, you have to kill Dragon Rage Channeler. I had two for a while thinking, can I get away with it? But every game Blue Red starts with a DLC, you just you have to kill it. Like I've even like just fury pitched something turn one just to kill that thing. Like the the selection they get off it is insane. It's it's too good. So oh, yeah, that's, that's that's some true hate. Yep. So that's why three bolts. Damn. Cool. But a it's nice little, of, a nice little yeah. trick you can do with this deck is against Delver you fetch up the uh, Solgo Lantern like first almost every single time unless you're really mana screwed and need like a pedal or an opal. And the cool thing you can do is when they're delirious, if you have some creatures in play, which you usually have some like random two twos or constructs. Um, you let them be forced to attack, and then you crack it, and then they're one ones, and you get to eat them alive. <laughs> I had that with um, two of them; they just attack it, and I got to like crack it, exit the graveyard, and then channel Sakenzen and make two twos and just trade. Oh, so, that thing! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, sweet, awesome. So yeah, you guys. Um, I I wasn't really up to all that much. Uh, I commentated the energy series. Actually, I ended up commentating both Pioneer and Modern because it was a team event. First time co- commentating Pioneer, 
the format looks actually a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. Like limited card pool, you always feel like, oh, there's only going to be so much going on. But yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit, actually. So yeah, really I'm excited cool. to, to do more of that. And another um, big thing, we were approached by people. Oh, the drum we roll. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not animals, apparently. <laughs> like, <laughs> knocked at the door, tuned into your food. Okay, no. Um, we were approached by the people behind the Four Seasons Bologna event, and they are putting out a really, really big event, and it's even starting this year. And that one's going to be the European Legacy Masters. I think you guys are already, you're already in the picture, right? Um, I want to say this is not something that we are producing or putting on, but we were approached to get the word out. Uh, the podcast is coming out on Wednesday, which is when the information goes live. Uh, what is the European Legacy Masters? First of all, it's not a tournament series. It's not a new tournament series. It's a network of tournaments. So what they are doing for the first time basically in European history is we aggregate all the local, all the regional play that's happening in Europe. And that, by the end of the year, feeds into a big tournament, the so-called European Legacy Masters, which happens parallel to four seasons in Bologna, which will crown the European Legacy Champion. So this is really the first time that from inside the community, people are trying to link tournaments really in all various kinds of countries and uh, they keep adding more countries to a list so yesterday i was actually part of the meeting and, and listened to all of that and i think we had like representatives from 12 or 15 countries some of them are covering two countries and they keep adding more so the the big big idea behind this is we can really have these tournaments that are happening at local and regional level mean even more because now they will qualify you for the european legacy masters and then you will come to bologna with your friends and also like play the four seasons event because that's the, the other big selling point right you you're not only coming for this tournament and then ideally represent your country along with like two or three teammates and win the european legacy masters for your country and of course also for yourself <laughs> so this is happening this year if you want to find more information about that i think the best place to go is going to be europeanlegacymasters.wordpress.com they spared no expenses. <laughs> <laughs> and no, seriously, um, Tom De Decker from, from Belgium is putting, like, there's so many, like, if you're involved in legacy in Europe, there are so many people behind this who you will probably know and who will also be listed on the websites as point of contact for your respective country if you want to qualify for this event. Because this year it's taking place on, uh, let me look it up, I actually took notes yesterday, which is, I, I felt like a caveman, like literally writing on a piece of paper. See, I didn't even write this one down. I think it's 10th, 11th, I want to say, of December. It's called the Four Seasons Autumn. It's going to happen, no, it's here it is, on the 2nd, on the 3rd, and the 4th of December in Bologna. And you play the European Legacy Masters on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you can play the Legacy Main Event. So that's that's the idea, right? You you travel with your friends. Your friends want to play. That's probably going to be the modern um, Main Event on Saturday, then Legacy Main Event on Sunday. You still get to play everything, but you also get to take part in the European Legacy Masters if you qualify. And how you qualify depends on your country. I know for some countries, since at least this year, this is somewhat short notice for people, some representatives will be selected. I think that's the case for Germany. For other countries like Belgium, for example, um, they have tournaments coming up. Uh, there's also 
regions where they will retroactively qualify the winners of the biggest tournaments in that country this year for the European Legacy Masters. So definitely get in contact for your uh, with your representative listed on the website to find out how you can qualify for that. If you're from, let's say, Micronation or something, like somebody who's not qualified, then reach out to any of the representatives because they really want to make sure that your country is also going to represent it. So if you go to for let's say you're going to four seasons and you're from like what's a tiny country i don't want to let's say you're from the vatican let's pick the vatican <laughs> Good, <you laughs> and, <can> yeah yeah <laughs> we, we, and you have no representative then reach out to the four seasons guys there's a good chance that you're the only person from the vatican attending four seasons in the first place so you can actually automatically qualify for that because really the big ideas we want or i say we i'm not involved with it but they want all the countries represented. They want a real proper European Championship, and yeah, this is this is what's happening this year. This year, it's more like a almost I want to say like a proof of concept, and then next year the big thing is going to happen. Next year we are. I, I keep saying we again. <laughs> I try to avoid that because it's really like them, and I'm just getting the word out. Uh, they're going to have proper dedicated qualification criteria for all the European countries, so no more invites or anything uh, that you can qualify for. And then, from what I understand, the big tournament is happening in August or September, which gives you a little bit more reason to travel to Italy, like in, in the beautiful sun and everything. So yeah, check it out, europeanlegacymasters.wordpress.com, and find more information about that. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I'm excited to either I'll try and qualify and play myself, I think, um, but also, if not, see hopefully friends play. It's just a very cool idea. Yeah, I think um, at the the Birmingham event uh, that's coming up in October, you can actually qualify. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. really curious to see how yeah how that's gonna shape out. Yeah, and and with that, I wanna uh, plug a couple of events. We've been approached by tournament organizers from different events to to plug all the information about these events coming up. So first of all, I guess most people knew about this. Four season summer is gonna happen from 10th to 11th of September in Bologna. I think Kai, you're going, right? I'll be there. I'll be there. Just, awesome. You know, so meet Kai. I think I gotta I'm gonna send a couple more everyday yeah. tunnel stickers to Kai so I you mean, can give them out. Probably sticking in the O3 bracket, like, you know, let's, let's see how things go. See if yeah, you can maybe... borrow paint it and you can do that. I was gonna say it's not too late to switch <laughs> to painter. <laughs> yeah, give me some of those like grindstones, yeah, if you don't mind. And then you, I don't, I, you know what? I don't think I've ever activated a, a grindstone in my life. That's sad. <laughs> yes, man. I, I think a lot of people haven't. People need to understand the beauty of the deck. <laughs> cool. So, second event taking place on the same date, 10th to 11th of September, in one of the most beautiful cities in Europe, Ghent, in Belgium. Belgian Eternal Weekend. So, if you're not going to Bologna, but you're in the region, definitely go to Ghent, not only for the tournament, but also for the city. And third one, happening 22nd, 23rd of October in... Birmingham. Birmingham. I was trying to find an adjective, but I ran out of like things uh, to say about that like, city. I mean, like, yeah, well, like, what, what's the best adjective for Birmingham? I don't even know. It's urban. Don't even go there. <laughs> just, just don't even try it. Don't yeah. even try. Yeah. <laughs> no, Birmingham yeah. doesn't deserve it. Wait, is, isn't isn't that like the same weekend as uh, Las Vegas? I think, right? The yeah, but if you had the choice between like Birmingham and Las Vegas, it's probably oh, yeah, clear, right? So yeah, definitely Birmingham. <laughs> Gross, uh, Birmingham is so much, yeah, so much grayer. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I think it's much more uplifting than LA. So, anyway, um, yeah, I'll be at Birmingham. It's a uh, big legacy events on both days. It's not like one big big event. It's two big events, but like one day is so on the twenty second and the twenty third. I know there's some people coming over for like Delta, who is the current 
trophy leader is coming over. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. That then... is like, that's like a weapon, that guy. He's insane. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. really. Like, yeah, have you looked up to, like all, all the five O deck lists? Because like a lot of them are like really not that good. Yeah, he plays like right. It's like just a lot, a lot, yeah, and... a lot of like I don't know, like tier two, tier three stuff. You know, yeah. it's like just keeps getting. Fo I don't know what's going on with this he's, guy. It's he's crazy. Incredible. Yeah, his favorite decks are lands and painter. He said so. Probably play one of them um, at these events. But he's just like one of these guys that's played so much legacy and is so clued into it. He just he can play bad decks well enough to beat good decks played mediocre. Where's he from? I've never heard about him before. Like he he went on this insane run this season. Sweden. He's from Sweden. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um. So yeah, I th I'm hoping that some of the other guys like um, he says he's trying to get the Stockholm crew together. We have a bunch of uh Swedish friends in like our Discord and stuff. Um, I'm hoping a bunch of you guys can come over. We're really cool. Um, yeah, if people are coming from out, out of town, let me know and like see if we can get like some dinner and drinks going and stuff, at least on the Friday evening. Probably definitely on the Saturday evening's drinks and then Sunday evening drinks for sure. And then. Yeah, that was actually the best part about <laughs> my last visit to Birmingham the food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fish and chips, and then we went to, Hell like, I yeah. think the other day, thank God it's Friday or something. There's, there's a reason we drink so much in England, it's because there's no good food to eat. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no time for food. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, yeah, and speaking of time, after 15 minutes, we're actually going to come to um the the main topic of today's episode. Uh, nice. We felt like this was a pretty good time for a mailbag episode before Callum ended up just like randomly willing the challenge. It's like, what's up with that? Yeah, Julian was like, "Oh, we've got nothing to talk about. Let's do a mailbag episode." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I felt like last last weekend, uh, last uh, episode, we did a really good uh, roundup of what's going on in mm -hmm. Legacy, and I, I didn't want to just like try to scrape the battle uh, the, yeah. the bottom of the barrel, just be like, "Oh, what should we talk about?" No, to so be let's fair, go ahead. We haven't done a mailbag in like. I don't even remember doing one myself, so it's been like a super long time. So yeah, I think I yeah. think they're really interesting. They're cool. So yeah, cool. So let's get into that. We got um, how many questions did we, we got get? One, one right? two, three, four, done. five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> we got one question. I yeah, think we have like, like something like twenty yeah, can, questions. Can, can we like narrow everything down to one single question? It's <laughs> like one really long one. Kai, what's your worst matchup in Legacy? Uh, painter, <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not even painter. It's Callum Smith, dude. Uh, <laughs> so what's good uh, against Callum? Uh, mentor at the moment. Mentor. <laughs> you, you mentor like, dude, player. like th th this sounds so 2015. I, I'm not yeah. gonna lie, dude. But that the best card, yeah, is just mentor. You know, yeah. people keep yeah, yeah. keep saying. And then it. there's this like this blue double blue delf card. Yeah, that's also 2015. Oh, Dictatorium. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is we're going back, right? right? And I've even, even seen some young pyromancers these oh, days. What if you play Dictatorium with mentor? Like it finds more fuel to go. Oh, I, mean, I mean, that'd be crazy, yeah. right? That's was the one yeah. time I actually quit Legacy. This, this wasn't the question it. in the thing, but what were you guys playing at, at the Dig Through Time days? Oh, that was the best time in Legacy. Holy, holy moly! That, oh I mean, that, that, that was time. Uh, yeah. can, can, can I? Can I? Yeah, can I leave? No, like that was the, <laughs> that was that was that was, that was a time when I top eight at the Legacy GP in Kyoto. That Sick. was in 2015. Because everyone was playing Different Time in Delva, Omnitel, and Miracles, and I was like, I was storming them off, you know. Hell yeah! Because I, I I killed them. Before they cast Dick Through Time, that was the secret source of uh, of Storm back in the day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That sounds pretty yeah. smart. Yeah, yep. and it was like oh, such a powerhouse. I miss it. Yeah, I tried so many decks back then. I of course I started out playing elves, but then I ended up like playing sideboards of like Far Choke and something, and, and <laughs> like I went I, really deep. I was playing Grixis Control then, and fucking hell, oh, that deck yeah. was so sick. Um, that deck was. We're playing Grixis Control when like Miracles was legal. Yeah. 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 Um, I did play Miracles when 
maybe with so, some is this our own mailbag episode now? I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Where's that about you putting him on himself? Meme? <laughs> yeah. But um, you'd play against miracles. You'd play pie match ascension, and then you'd start copying D three times, and you'd just like puke on the table. It's Hell so yeah! Gross. Hell oh yeah! That, that's exactly my jam. That's yeah. so freaking. It was cool. it was like the you would just have like three pyromancers and four strix as your win cons, but like you'd play like. I think I actually ended up with like two Ascensions main deck and God, that deck was so sick. Yeah. Probes and uh, Cabal Therapies. Yeah, you Probes know, and Therapies as well. Oh my God, yeah. Loads of Power Blasts. You played like so good. actual factual two counter spells main deck as well. It was cool. Hell yeah. Anyway, should we go to the okay. questions yeah, yeah, yeah. from ourselves? I, I actually, um, uh, in speaking of our own mailbag episode, I submitted my own question because I thought I would forget it. Uh, that's why I put it at the very beginning. We, we, just, <laughs> we just did that section of our own questions. Nah, I'm, st I'm still in that section. Kai, I have a question for you. Uh -oh. uh, it's about Japan, because that's actually something I've been wondering the other day. Uh, there's, you know, in Europe and North America, we have that, that weep culture and everything. People are like, oh, living in Japan is going to be amazing. Oh, this is so cool. <laughs> Is is the same thing happening in Japan for let's say Europe uh, or the United States? Is there like a like a subculture in Japan where they are like, oh my god, I love everything about Europe or or America or or, or someplace, and, and they are like really into it and I don't know, reading European fiction and stuff. And is, is that a thing? So, uh, so yeah, kind kind of. So um, first of all, um, most Japanese think that the uh, everything that comes from Europe or from America is like really really cool or like super teched out i don't know like just way different right and um i i'm not i'm not really big into anime and manga but i've heard that a lot of those like super popular mangas and animes in japan are um, always about like i don't know about like um german like t um tongues for example like they're called like panzer for example like you know like anime girls oh, um, okay. have, have having like german weapons things like that <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of really crazy but uh I, there are definitely a lot of like perils um to that and um i don't know like also the the idea of like everything in europe is just big <laughs> i guess it's, it's like kind of like a kind of like an upside um i don't know whenever i introduce myself as you know like some someone who's like half german half japanese like everyone's like dude wow germany damn that's 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 sick and it's like in my in my head i was like dude that's actually the opposite of sick but thank you so much <laughs> but <laughs> i don't hey, know how did you mention that 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 um panzer thing uh i saw that anime the other day uh, or rather like just the, the wikipedia page of it it's called girls und panzer so yeah it's girls called, yeah, it's, and yeah. tank right girls this is and insane tank. And, and apparently, can, can I quickly read out the setting description on, on Wikipedia? Because this is hilarious. Go on. The story takes place in a world where historical World War II era tanks are maintained for sport-style warfare competitions and large carrier ships, known as academy ships, support mobile sea communities. Of the many activities high school students can participate in, one of mo the most popular is the way of the tank, the art of operating tanks which is considered a traditional martial art for females <laughs> how do you even come up with this <laughs> that's crazy right like i i feel like a lot of times like japanese kind of take like a plus b but that's like completely the, the opposite thing they kind of like mash them together you know like you have like those like super cute high school student girl groups and then they're like you know just just mash them together with like weapons and and, and tanks and you know whatnot <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's what you do when you're in high school. On the side, like some people play tennis, others like do tank warfare. I hope someone's like <laughs> flick, like just um, skimming through this episode and landed just where Kai says that. Then you have these like girls just in tanks and stuff. 
<laughs> Honestly, that I actually want to like watch a decent episode of it. I'm also like not not reading to anime and stuff, but yeah, that sounds that sounds intriguing. Because mm. <laughs> like cool. I mean like I, I, occasionally um you play magic against you know against Japanese who have a play mat or like sleeves with like one of those characters, right? Because like th like that's how I got to know this uh the series like Girls and Panzer. It's basically like <laughs> like this this one guy had like yeah he had like this play mat with like super super cute girls and then like his his sleeves and all all, all tanks and I, I I really didn't get it at first but then you know <laughs> after the match because like I, I I remember like the, the match uh finished like real quickly and um we had a little time to talk you know cool so yeah should we should we take turns reading out the questions sounds good awesome who wants to go next I can go first reading a question. Okay. So we got Tom Twice says, "What happened to the legacy of Premier League? Are we ever going to see it again?" Feels like this is for you, Julian. Uh yeah. What happened to it? Uh, I think the we did the fourth season in two thousand and nineteen. Concluded in December two thousand and nineteen. Most famously, by the way, <laughs> Anurag back then asked me whether we can actually like switch the dates of the finals and i was like yeah sure he's uh, why and he's like oh i'm i'm getting married that day maybe we can like, yeah, do <laughs> i like that he actually like kept it still like as a possibility to still like broadcast it nice. on, on his wedding day like, or was, was he really trying to hide up that go to combat through wasteland thing oh right. maybe he did oh right. god that was that was in season two i think he oh. hasn't played a like he he voluntarily withdrew from the league ever since and has done production <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> But yeah, what happened to it? Um, it's a lot of work, and I keep saying that uh, it's really a lot of work. So the the actual production uh, happens for something like two or three months, uh, depending on how we structure it. But I think we found a pretty good structure. But then preparation also takes at least another two months because there's a lot of graphics to be made. You know, lots of tiny things. I I produce like a player's guide PDF. There's all the information for the players. I uh, I do a lot of things for that, and that takes a lot of time. And so basically ties up my time a lot of my free time i want to say 50 percent of my free time for several months something like five months and that's a lot of time and from as much as i love doing it i was very bad at monetizing the entire thing um so we got a lot of money from sponsors uh which anorak and i split and and that's great but it, it, I, I feel weird talking about it but it was not enough not from the sponsors like we got everything we asked the sponsors for and i feel like i i pushed it to what's reasonable i don't want to like artificially push them for more but i was very bad like at, at mo trying to monetize it through the community um so that's on me i, I really should have gotten the word out that it's <laughs> i, I, I <laughs> will know? say that i think um monetizing things in magic has come a long way and like people being paid for their time of doing guides and streaming and subs and other stuff it's become a lot more, lot more normalized so i think you could definitely put out like a, a donation mm -hmm. button and you'd get a lot more like that yeah, that's what it is. Right. That's we basically we had a thing uh, you can donate, uh, but I think it's you, you gotta do it the other way around. It's more like like a Kickstarter, or whatever you know. Mm -hmm. Like we, we need to hit this um, for us to, to make sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In order to run it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would uh, work. I think. I think people would be a lot more willing to shell in now that we've we've had these discussions and how much work it is. Like I've never seen the behind the scenes, but I can just guess it's tons, and it's probably more than I guess. Dude, I, re I remember um, the the fourth season. Uh, one one of the the play days happened when I was in China, and of course, you know, China is so many more hours ahead, and then US is so many hours behind. And I just like I remember I arrived in Beijing on the airport and it was like I don't know three or four in the morning or something, and I kept like t trying to get a connection because you know then back then the crackdown in Hong Kong was happening, 
and for like one weekend the all the vpns didn't work properly even in beijing and i could barely like connect to anybody and i was like oh my god oh my god the, 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 the thing is happening in two hours and i can't connect and i was so so anxious before i realized oh wait it's in 24 hours i'm like so <laughs> far ahead times <laughs> but yeah i then i did uh all the production from from james shoes apartment in beijing that was amazing uh that, that was great that he had me out there but overall yeah um first of all uh, actually i would need to talk to anorak because i'm not sure he he would even have like the time to do that because he's so busy with, with like all the production that he's doing and yeah like i mentioned like the, the money that we were splitting um that's like that probably like wouldn't justify it for him, but I, I would need to talk to him. But other than that, I would probably need to get like some something like at least two or three people on board to to help produce that. And then I also want to pay them. And of course, like these days, I think it's a rare, very good thing that it's become a standard that all the commentators are getting paid. Because in the past we we didn't pay LPL commentators. We paid the commentators um Anurag and I hired for eternal weekend 2020 when we produced that for wizards because of course we got money from wizards for that so um yeah we, we don't want you to work for free for us uh, and i would also want to do that for the legacy premier league and i know some people who would be willing to cover that at least when we floated the idea like one or two years ago but yeah i feel like i want to do it i definitely want to do the fifth season um but from the moment i would decide to do it until it actually happens would be something like six seven months at least uh, and then we could push ahead and i don't feel that i'm in a position right now to to make that call because there's even though i took the entire month off to basically catch up with life really like straight up catch up with life uh i i would still need like some time um so yeah if, if it happens it will happen like something late 2023 mid late okay. 2023 at the earliest but i would love to do that yeah let's keep it in brackets that's good <laughs> Cool. So yeah, here, here's a question coming from Tom the Decker. Are there any non-legacy formats you wish you could explore more? What are they? What attracts you to them? And what has stopped you from getting into them more? Kai, do you want to take this? Yo, uh, yeah. So uh, there are quite a few non-legacy formats I dig. Um, I I'm a big fan of modern. I also dig um, vintage a lot. And do um, and what else? Old school. St I also play standard on arena. Uh, from time to time and i think the and also like also limited like the, i think the only format i don't actively play is pioneer because i that's not even a good reason but you know <laughs> um so i think that um the format i want to talk about is probably old school because i think it's like the most uh, like misunderstood format uh at least from at least for myself like when when i started old school i thought it's like it's like the the, the casual the casual legacy format basically right like you get to play those dual lands and those sorts of plowshares and lightning bolts and yada 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 and uh but it's not like the all power planeswalkers there's no brainstorm there are no fetch lands you, you just kind of like just play your deck right and um and the moment where everything kind of stop being that attractive to me was when i attended a couple of those um, old school um tournaments because like everyone was just so much older <laughs> it's like i felt i feel i felt really like misplaced in in um in those events <laughs> and uh i like that those like they were all nice guys like just don't get me wrong like they were all super super cool there was just like dude they could have been my, like all of them could have been like my my, my dad's you know like it was it was, kind of, it was like i guess that was kind of like, kind of like this, this strange uh thing maybe because like we couldn't really talk about anything else but magic which is so fine. Kai, how, how many kids do you have 
And it's like, <laughs> right? Like, how many grandkids do you have? Is almost the right question. Is uh, but you know, um, other than that, I think, I think vintage also has a has a pretty sick community. Um, at least in Japan back in the day, I haven't really played vintage in uh, in Europe much, but um. Yeah, there's not really many places where you can actively play vintage. I know they do right. it like in Belgium and of course in all the Italian events. I guess there's going to be events, right. but you know, like the biggest difference between like um people in 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 Europe or in the states and in Japan about vintage is like a lot a lot of people in Europe want to start um vintage because of the Power Nine and because it's you know it's super old and bonkers and whatnot. And most Japanese want to start vintage because of Death Ride Charmin because they want to play. <laughs> that. That's, that, I'm not even joking. That's that's like that's like the, like the weirdest the weirdest reason to start vintage. But it's literally like, hey, I, I kind of want to play more Tamagoyfs and more both those death right Just give me Vintage some more. Vintage is the, is the home of Tamagoyf now, isn't it? Right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's one of the best creatures. Uh, so. Death right has a funny thing, right? It's It was banned because of Delver, but it's kind of universally loved. It, it's weird. I love yeah. the card and kind of miss it in a weird way as well, even though I, I was like a Shardless rather than Delver player back then. Totally. But yeah. Yeah, but what about you, Callum? Like, did you have any, any like non-legacy formats you wish could, yeah, you could explore more? Yeah, pre-modern's my answer very, very ah. easily. Um, I have a bunch of decks. I have Goblins, Dead Guy, half of like Tinker, Mud. I think I have Oath. I have The Solution. I just haven't like, I've played a few games with one friend in London, but just haven't like got around to playing it more. There's, there used to be some evenings where people would meet up in London, but it was like, two and a half hours away from me because London's big. So I just like haven't played it more. Um, there's tons two of Two and a like... half hours, I can like walk across Munich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> London is silly. I'm, I live very far north at the moment. So it's I'm, it's my fault I'm out of the way, but I'm, I'm moving soon. So maybe there'll be like more opportunities. But um, yeah, pre-modern's awesome. And what what are they? Pre-modern is a format from... Sorry, you guys are gonna have to help me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's basically what where, where, before where the new old borders, school, right? where, where old school ends, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, kind of like the smooth transition, I think. Yeah, so when old school ends, but before um, before modern was made, so. modern starts at like eighth edition, and I think yeah. Merodin or something. Yeah, so it's for me, it's like a super nostalgic format. I was playing extended back then, so you have like Psychotog and Exalted Angels and Click Slithers and just cards like I just absolutely adore. So it's um. Like for me, I wouldn't like. It seems like a pretty like fun and healthy format as well. Um, there's some people like constantly innovating things and stuff. But for me, it'd be purely about playing cards that I like. So I've actually got like a pile of goblin stuff to the side to play. And I don't think Click Slither is in the the good list, but goddamn, <laughs> am I gonna fucking play it? Because that card is so sweet. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, yeah, totally pre modern. Um, damn. Yeah, the only thing stopping me is just time. Right, Julian. And for me, I I got a. Uh, agreed. For me, it's also pre-modern. Like, holy shit, is that format attractive? Like, yeah. this is uh, this is what I want to be doing. And I want to give a huge shout out. I don't know who made the website premodernmagic.com, but a huge, huge, huge part of my attraction is dude, that website. You click on decks, and they literally know how they get you. Honestly, yeah. like those people should be selling drugs or something. <laughs> they literally they don't present like a oh this is all text, and you click here and you see the text. No, they literally have all the decks like even like with the correct artwork right they, they have oh, like yeah. the the old salt supplier chest they have the old attica wastes they have like uh what is this is this mirage basic land something yeah, yeah. Oh. they use my favorite islands i'm looking at yeah. it right now what oh I'm, yeah i'm also looking at it right now dude yeah. this looks fantastic dude, you got Holy like moly. counter rebels 
you got dead this Gaia. is how you get people this is literally how you get people yeah so oh, i, I could be scrolling go, that yeah, down premodernmagic.com and there's a dex thing it's just it's just gorgeous what i will add though is um despite us um opining about like how old art's the best and because this is what is nostalgic for us my understanding of like players and from what i've read everywhere is they are absolutely more than welcoming to like reprints and stuff they play because the cards themselves are like nostalgic so if you come with like an all original artworks thing you're going to have comments about how lovely it is but i've seen tons of like kind of uh like um twitch things of people playing or youtube videos and stuff and like kind of new printings or gold border cards are more than acceptable so if you want to get into pre-modern but like the old printings are more expensive and stuff just just use the new ones people are really cool with it oh i forgot master core is like in my top five favorite cards of all time so i get to play with master <laughs> oh core hell as well. yeah yeah. yeah, that card taught me how how faces work in Magic. The draw comes after the upkeep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's um that's it for me for for pre modern as well. Yeah, sick. Okay, uh, let me read out the the next question. It's from uh from Kinda. Uh, when will when will the Everyday Eternal podcast crew do a stream together where they play Magic's most popular Eternal format? Bonus points if you already know what commander you play. You want to play? Sorry. So it sounds <laughs> like we need to play an EDH thing. And Why it. that? Ooh, I do. I'm in. I yeah. I I just finished. Yeah, I think like last week I just finished my second commander deck. Oh um, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know it's not too bad. Um, I don't know. It's I like com commander is also like something else. Uh, I, a lot of people play commander. I think right. Yeah, it's and, it's the biggest way to play magic, surely. Right. Yeah. It might I, even be bigger than kitchen table magic these days. I don't know. It's so. Oh, big. I, oh I thought that was like the same thing. No, kitchen kitchen <laughs> table magic literally is. I don't even know the proper rules. It's just like buy packs and jam and have fun. Yeah. And Maro is always like, "This is the actually biggest way to play there's magic," the, and of I'm course, sure it's the least visible one. That. Yeah, but but after that, the EDH is the biggest way. I'm totally down to play a thing. Do we do it online though and stream it? I mean, I think we, I think we should, I, like meet in Berlin and just like play in the studio. Exactly. I think I kind of probably asking about like those um, what's it called? Uh, I hate your deck or like you know like command zone type of like videos where you know like pe four people get together and like mm -hmm. in, a, in a studio and have like <laughs> a, a thousand cameras here and there and like you know oh, a stick light setup. Oh, I, I, I don't know about this. So I mean, I I, I got I, I got a dude, dude. I got I got a studio. I got lights. I okay. I, oh, you got lights? Oh man. I, <laughs> Uh, at least have one camera here. You got to bring all the other remaining cam cam a thousand right. cameras. But if we come to that, well, maybe we do both. Like, I think us three just playing an EDH game, maybe with kinder full player. Right. Um, <laughs> we could we could stream it, do magic online. Okay, so here's my question: there, like, what, like, so what commander would you guys pick? So I've I've got two answers. If we were playing like more competitive, I'd play Urza because Urza's sweet and oh, yeah. I like oh. artifacts. But otherwise, they're about to release the Warhammer Forty Thousand Commander decks. So, I played I played Tyranids in Warhammer, and they're about to do a Tyranid deck. So, the Swarm Lord is the the commander of that deck. So, I'd, oh shit, I've not even seen that. I'm gonna have the Swarm Lord. I'm a bit disappointed by it. The card itself is really bad and really boring, but it's it's Tyranids, and I love them. <laughs> Damn, that's like. What about you, Julian? Uh, so it depends. I was invited to a couple of um, CEDH things, and I want to say the last year by by Pleasant Kenobi. And uh, if I remember correctly, I might have played Isuri. Uh, that's just like the the commander I would love to play. The, the one I want to play the most is Ruffalos, but apparently that's like banned in basically every format. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Cards are pretty busted. 
Yeah, that, that, that's like the first thing I wanted to do whenever I heard about like commander formats, like even like dual commander and stuff back then. I was like, oh, I'm going to play Ruffalos. They're like, oh, this is bad. Uh, <laughs> then I wanted to play like everything I wanted to play was banned. I was like, okay, whatever, I'm going to play. Um, I think Yisan, but then that was banned and, com and dual commander as well. Like every, every time I touch a deck, it gets banned. Titania, Titania um, was also like amazing commander. So it would be something like, I don't know, Isuri, Titania... I am. I'm actually looking at EDH like, rec I was recommendations. Say, like, a, a, anything, anything mono green, then, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, actually kind of funny because, like, I, I know my way around dual commander, but I really don't know all that much about like normal commander or like C EDH. Um, even though that seems to be a little bit of a train wreck. <laughs> from, what, from what I can tell in CDH, like you, you all have like tons of interaction, but like the way I've saw most games end is with um. Soul Ring? No, no that's that's a Oracle, right? That's Oracle or Breach combos. Damn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know. I think like the CDH. I I really haven't played a single game in CDH, but it looks like it's a lot of like those like combo control type of mirrors. Like a lot yeah. of people have like a thousand packs of negations and mana drains and whatnot. Yeah, it's like mental um, missteps everywhere. Right. And, and yeah. Maurice Commander is more like the you know like hey I'm gonna make a thousand I don't know um squirrel tokens and you know yeah. 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 I actually, I, I built one of those decks for one of those. I, I don't know if I ended up playing it or not. Uh, I think we had a the second time I was invited. The stipulation was you play all old frame cards. At least that's what I created Ooh, I like for me. And I think I put an elf deck together that was all old frame. And I'm not sure if I ended up playing it. Uh, but yeah, that's something I would... Oh, that, that would be amazing. <laughs> that's like the pre-modern version of Commander. Holy yeah, shit. and I think you, you would play like Ella Damri, I would guess... Like I'm actually looking at the, the most played commanders for Mono Green decks. There's like Eladamri, and then like at, at 27th place or something, there's Staten, tap and untap Druid you control at one green. Yeah, thank you. I pass. I'm I'm like <laughs> so into like low powered EDHE stuff. The last EDH deck I built was like two years ago. It was a Joyra, the four mana 3 3 that whenever you cast like a historic card, you draw a card. And I had like Frogmite and Mirror Enforcer in my deck. <laughs> so, it's like, uh, like Frogmite and Mirror Enforcer in the same deck. <laughs> so you guys don't have to worry about me. I'm, I'm chill. I'm just going to like do some dumb things with artifacts yeah. in my mind. Nobody's ever going to attack Callum. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Although, cool. so we have a friend uh, in London who he has a CDH cube. It's really fun to draft. Um, I'm just not like that into multiplayer, so I always struggle with playing it a little bit. But it is... It is still actually really fun. He's got me quite interested in the format just by nature of playing it. So yeah, you, you do like a normal draft, but you have to draft your commanders, then you build, build the deck out of it. And um, there was one game where I was just like constantly going on about how I built like a Grixis control deck. I always try and force combo stuff. Uh, combo, sorry, not control. And um, and then I started saying like, combat doesn't matter. Like we're at 40 life. What are you going to do? Attack me to death? And so the whole table obviously attacked <laughs> me and killed me. <laughs> That's what you get, man. That's yeah. what you get. <laughs> so yeah. Quit. So yeah, I, I would love to do that uh, sometime. Cool. I I reckon we should us three and kind of play an EDH game online. Oh, we can do that too. Like yeah. I, I think it's a little bit messy with the interface, but like yeah. I, I could definitely stream it. I played with Kinder a few times. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. So so like you uh one on one or like extra multiplayer? Uh, multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that works because yeah, kind is kind is also my teammate for a big Warhammer tournament coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, 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 you uh, you guys are, are like taking the world by storm and Warhammer. I've heard rush. about that like many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're gonna gonna actually open your own Warhammer gaming house, right? Mm, yes. <laughs> cool. Mm, yes. <laughs> Not so sure about that. Isn't that why you're moving? I thought so. Okay. Uh, cool. Let's move on to to the next question. Yeah. Uh, should I do this? Okay. 
So this is from Disco Drogo. Um, it says, what makes a good paper tournament? What is a good balance between entry, prize structure, length, size? How much should be put into comfort and access to nice food and drinks? How about you start, Julian? Mm, I want to say the best paper tournaments, like outside of the, the people you travel with, right? Because I feel like the, the people you travel with are the biggest factor and like the, the great experience you have. Uh, I've actually been to one tournament where I traveled with somebody who... Like wasn't an asshole or anything. We just like I, I, I just like couldn't stand. <laughs> I, I can't help <laughs> right. it. And that's the literally the only tournament where I literally booked a flight the day earlier to fly home because I was also getting a little sick and I was like, dude, I'm really not feeling this weekend. And and I left and <laughs> day early. Right. So yeah, but the 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 best tournaments I remember. I remember them for the people I traveled with, for like what we did before and after the tournament and everything. I don't remember them for what happened in the tournament. Yeah, it was like nice to win bomb and stuff. But I, I really like the biggest best experiences is like you know traveling along the u.s going to china or even like the 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 um, the castle we rented and little kai was there back then uh and that's like that's what makes for a great tournament but when it comes to tournament infrastructure which i feel like disco drogo is asking about uh having enough space goes a long way having enough space and fresh air somehow i mean yeah it's a little harder in winter but enough space for your table that takes away so much stre stress that would otherwise be there and then yeah Access to food and drinks. Uh, I usually like I have everything I need with me. Uh, but if if you like if you have decent food and drinks, like it's more like drinks actually. Like I don't really have time at big tournaments to like eat proper meals in between rounds and stuff. But if there's like if it's not overpriced, that's good. Like I usually drink water during tournaments anyway. Uh, and price structure, I I've grown to not care all that much about that anymore. Like I there was a time when I would literally calculate the margin they get on just like the the entry fees and stuff, but I mean, as long as I go to a tournament and don't feel like they're like taking the piss or something, I'm like, okay, dude, whatever. Um, you're, you're putting on this event, and I want to take part in it, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I personally don't have a very strong opinion on like price structure, length, size, uh, etc. Because I th I think like I I have a pretty, but like ba basic um idea of you know like a, a, yeah it's like a basic idea of like you know like those those um numbers. But for me personally, I think like food and drinks is probably like the it's just way way up there um i'm usually not a person who who has all all the food and drinks and snacks in uh in the back but i'd rather just be at the venue where there is a good uh balanced food booth uh, which we, like yeah, yeah which we had in uh at the tier at the tier one con in sweden for example there was like this super super nice cafe ish salad bar like uh, modern food booth in the center of the hall which i thought was like extremely nice and um and i witnessed the exact opposite at the gamescom 2022 just a week ago where at the biggest games convention they had the shittiest food ever like and like they even called themselves like restaurants and all you can <laughs> all, all you could get was like fries chicken mcnuggets and and, and what like and, and one overpriced salad which was just not affordable right it's and, probably um, like I would guess like twelve euros for a small salad or something. Oh, it, was, it, it was fourteen, but yeah, <laughs> like Come on, dude. right, like things like that, I guess. Um, and obviously, like you know, it's like, like good company. Like if you go with the friends, obviously that that's a good thing. But um, if I if I can like stretch one single thing, it'd be food and drinks, and that's so un uh, underrated. I want to say because like a lot a lot of tournament organizers really don't think about food and drinks all that often. Yeah, I guess uh, to interrupt you there, Callum, I think the, the the reason I 
always like didn't touch on it all that much is because I, I kind of assume that it's always going to be overpriced. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's reasonably priced, I'm all about that. It's, it's, yeah, I, I kind of, for me, I expect it to be a, a bit of price. Like you're paying a premium in, in a event where they just know they're going to have tons of people. The prices is like, unless it's ridiculous, then I'm expecting it to be expensive, but you do want it to be readily available and kind of nice at least or something. Um, I'm with you on that. Like, I always forget to bring any water or snacks or anything with me. I just don't even think of it. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to echo what you guys said. Like, the size, like, I like events that, you know, have enough people. Um, I'm not super enthusiastic about, like, under 50, unless it's, like, a thing like the LLMs that I do and stuff. I wouldn't travel for something that's too small. But um, a more local thing, it's, it's totally fine, obviously. And then... Prizes, I often never even look at the prizes. Honestly, like I, right. if if I'm looking at like four seasons or like a tier one con, I wouldn't even know the prizes until like I'm, if I'm in topic contention, then I'll look at them. <laughs> so that that's not that's a non-issue for me at all. Um, length and size, if you have the options, that's the coolest thing. Like, if you had like a GP every single weekend, you might get sick of it. But if you had like a five-person thing every weekend, you wouldn't go to them either. So if you can like find a mix that's what works nicely but um otherwise yeah like a mix of two two day events really cool to play in every now and then but uh yeah not too small is the main thing i guess <laughs> uh but one more thing that's actually really cool is when i know it's not always possible if the venue is rather accessible i i mm-hmm. really really liked it when we had those mkm tournaments in hotels like for example in rome they had two tournaments there over the years and the the actual tournament took place in the in the basement of the hotel and Ooh. you you would literally just like get up have your shower go to breakfast uh with all the other magic players then usually just like walk back maybe to your room um freshen up or something and and then just walk down and and you're there and the tournament starts you could even like sometimes go back to your room and, and like pe- fetch something uh yes it was an amazing experience also when when the venue is in the center of town, like something I keep remembering, uh, Callum, you might remember that in 2017 in Barcelona, yeah, we exactly. also had the venue like in, in basically downtown Barcelona, and it was so easy to get to. Uh, ninth even, not seventh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I, I got top eight or you, something. You took forward, I'm pretty sure. I think lost to like Sneak and Show. I think no, I think I lo- oh yeah, I lost in, in the quarterfinals to Sneak and Show. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think I like almost killed my opponent on the second turn with Nissa Vital Force untapping Cradle like infinite times. <laughs> so it's like, why would somebody? There's a video of that on YouTube. It's amazing what nice. Nissa Vital Force did that tournament. But yeah, if it's like, in, like imagine the tournament is over, you walk outside the venue, and it's like, hey guys, I just checked on Google, whatever. There's there's like a nice restaurant like five minutes down here. Let's just go there instead of like having to organize everything. Like, oh, how do we get there? We're outside town. It's like that's way so preferential to me than a, a hotel. Like. I rarely stay at hotels when I go to magic things. I like to get a group of friends and you get an Airbnb. And then I'm all about the after the event town drinks and dinner and stuff. So, yeah, I loved being in the town center as well. That's yeah, that's great. I think last year it hasn't really been much of a thing. And I know in a lot of cities we usually like have tournaments on the outskirts. I remember when we had a <laughs> when we had a tournament in Hamburg. And it literally didn't even take place in the state of Hamburg. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was a different state. Oh, I, I saw like a, I think it was SCG, but I might be wrong, so don't quote me on this. But there was like something where it said it was in a state and it was just like, or in a town, it was like right on the outskirts, like hours away. <laughs> yeah, I guess it happens in the US quite a bit, actually. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, next question coming to us from Martin. What are the player psychographic <laughs> what are the player psychographic profiles of the grand archetypes? And I, I want to rephrase that as: Would you rather date an aggro control or combo player? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's lots of like you know prejudices about like oh, aggro players are like this, con control players are like this, and stuff. Um, but do you it, easily like, I mean, combo player for me? Yeah, same combo player. <laughs> <laughs> really? you 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 like we don't have time for this, man. Like you know, what just, aggro is I just gonna be like really annoying and control is no, gonna no, be no, obnoxious. No. Yeah, I can agree on that. Like, control would be super obnoxious. Like, <laughs> but I, I want to date somebody who's like an aggro player. Like, what well, if they start punching you? No, the, the thing is about like aggro is like <laughs> aggro teaches you. You know, I think not no deck more than aggro teaches you that you can sometimes like. Uh, what's the famous quote? Um, I think it I is possible to commit no mistake and still lose. That's just mm. life. And I think somebody who has like internalized this yeah, that, that yeah. they are very chill and i think, I think more to, than anything to go against what i was like just saying about making fun of aggro players being aggressive is actually aggro teaches you patience way more than control or combo does like playing around removal and you know all this kind of thing so maybe i'm still going with combo because they sound more interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> combo is like so yeah combo is like so much depth to it yeah i think and apparently like nobody likes control majors <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like way too sticky. And way I, I too think slow. the control majors would agree as well. Come on, they don't, yeah. <laughs> they don't like themselves or each other. Either. Is, is that like a healthy relationship of two control players? How does it work? They're just gonna be like, "Oh, you you have that in your deck? Oh, that's, that's interesting." And you just know that they're thinking that's the dumbest mistake you've ever done. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I I tried that uh, last week. It was uh, it was okay. Cool. Cool. Then let's move on to the next question. <laughs> Sorry, control players. You're, you're cool, really. <laughs> okay, the next question is from Martin. Uh, when we will see... Well, sorry, let me rephrase. Uh, this next question is from Martin. When will we see Dukes on Twitch on the cast talking about green-white depths? I would love to. I would love to have yeah. him on. Like, what about tomorrow? Like, yeah. <laughs> what about tomorrow? Yeah, let, let's make it happen. <laughs> time zones. Yeah, we know that's a conspiracy, right? Big time zone wants you to buy watches. <laughs> Uh, has he like properly transitioned to like being the go-to guy for Green or Depth? I think that's still, like Michael, Ma Michael Mapson or something, right? There's pretty yeah, there's like him and Ma Michael, but pretty he... much. I think I think Dukes Dukes is uh, mainly about Green Sun Zenith in general. I yeah. think I makes think sense, any, right? Any any deck that yeah, any deck that plays Green Sun Zenith, but also uh, things like uh, Death and Taxes from time to time. I think of I him think. as like a a green white based, but like yeah. fair player like like he's like the most savannah-ish guy i, I can <laughs> yeah, ever yeah. think of yeah yeah he was playing um a bunch of hammer recently as well Ooh. oh in, in in legacy yeah him and i mean i've seen the deck to do things but i wasn't aware that it's actually like a thing oh there's so there's a player called crusher bot who is like to his top 83 challenges with it i think maybe or like he's constantly getting posted and spider space who is um an incredible modern player He's like branched out into it and like went five two in the showcase challenge with it, and then uh, him and Dukes did a stream within the last week, and they five would on stream as well. Um, oh, powerful. They're both just like very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just. Uh, chill. They're chill. No, I'm. I'm anyway, cut, you can cut this part out. I can't. I can't think of English words. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> proficient. <laughs> yeah, they were proficient. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, so so I I just looked up the uh, the deck list for the. Uh, it was in a legacy challenge, a sixth place, uh, Crusher Bot BG. That's the one. Uh, I'm looking at the deck list right now. It, it's literally a modern deck. 
plus it, Mops I, Opal and Ancient Den, basically. Oh, I. Oh shit. Okay, I guess that card. Yeah, that card's banned in, in modern. But like, yeah. this deck looks so cheap to build. Yeah. Holy moly! That, like, it plays sagas, but that that's about it. I think the rest of the deck is just fairly cheap. So yeah, um, modern hammer players, if you're listening, you could just get Mox Opals are pretty cheap. They've got to be like fifteen-ish each. Dude, it plays for it plays four copies of t- a mana Titan this side for. Are you kidding? Are you yeah. kidding what me? What the fuck? What? Is it better than Earth? Orm's Chant? Well, people <laughs> aren't gonna play around it, are they? That's Certainly crazy. Not. That is crazy. Because I, I remember like um the modern versions are usually like um Azurius colors, right? Like a, a, a little bit of a blue splash for either Teferi Time Raveler or like a couple of copies of Spell Pierce. Lavinia but, and Spell Pierce is the big one. Oh yeah. Yeah. But like but like this deck literally doesn't give two fucks. Holy moly, like you know, like <laughs> just just screw spell pierce, we're gonna go mana type. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Okay. So, so okay. this deck is so it's funny enough, I I, ha- I bought Hammer Time for, for modern tournaments, and then I was like, right, I'm going to play it one day f- at one of our like local Tuesdays. This is like three months ago or something. And it was the biggest beating I've ever had playing Legacy. Like, I think I O2'd all three matches like so easily, and like I played against a control deck with Force of Vigors and like Pernicious Deed and like stuff like that. And then I played <laughs> against a combo deck, and I was completely like flailing dead in the water. And I, I don't even remember the last one. I got beaten so badly. I was like, okay, well, fine. That happens. I'm glad I tried it, and then Crusherbot just like lived up to the name and has been crushing with it. And, <laughs> That's uh, crazy. Yeah, wow. cool. Awesome. So yep. should we move on? So yeah. yeah. Um, Dukes, so back to the question. Listening. Yeah, Dukes, please. Yes, we'll just, reach just... out to you. Right. Yeah. Anytime. Let's do it. All right. Next question is from Neville Suter. Has there been a rise in legacy playables slash set ever since Fire? And if so, do you think this this is good or bad? I think we can like the first question is pretty clearly right. Yeah, there's, yeah, there, yeah, there's, there's been, been many more players per set because we used to see like three cards a year come into Legacy at best, right? Yeah, yeah, and like very rarely would you have one that really took over the format. Like the biggest overhaul was the Innistrad block and the Navasin stored, I guess. But then until kind of fire, um, yeah, and yeah, it's very clear that we have tons more. And do you think it's good or bad? I'm gonna say. It's it's kind of feeling bad, but I I don't know if that's like the right way to think about it. Like, I think they could just tone things down a bit. Um, I I I like more new cards entering the format, especially with like the rise of Magic Online being played more than ever. Like, you know, historically we just didn't have that much data from it. We're having like premier events on online now. We're getting tons more data. We're seeing what the format's really like. I like new cards coming into Legacy. Like, three coming into a year could get stale you're more like relying on local metas being fun interesting and changing than the format itself changing but yeah some of them some of these new cards are really really good I'm not looking at you Merc Tide and Dragon Rain Shanla right. so yeah I feel like it's it's kind of cool when it's more like side body cards or mm-hmm. um cards that like don't like make for a bad time like I guess uh, the best example is something like Endurance right which sometimes even see plays in the main deck uh, that, that that was a great edition, one of the greatest editions uh, we had in, in Legacy. I almost want to say ever. Yeah. Uh, Urza Saga mm-hmm. is another really great card that didn't really slot into any of the dominate decks, uh, domin- dominant decks, but just like sticks around and, and makes like even like piles like Modern Hammer playable all of a sudden. I would guess. That's mm-hmm. right. What happens? So I, I love when stuff like that comes into format, uh, and especially you know when when we have a lot more playables per set per year. 
if those are more like sideboard cards, they don't like completely screw up the meta game unless they make some deck unplayable, which of course sucks. Uh, uh, but usually that doesn't really happen. I feel like. Right. I think um, the uh, the rise of like legacy playables um, ever since the the, the, the fire uh, is basically super super good for content creators. I yeah. want to say it's it's actually the best, but. Um, it might be a little bit too much. I think, like, if we had, like, something in between, you know, like, I think these days we get too many playables for Legacy uh, in a year. And before that, we had, yeah, as you guys said, we only had, like, one, two, maybe three playables, like, fringe playables in Legacy. If we had, like, like the sweet spot right in between, that'd be, like, the, the perfect, like, you know, um, size for, like, regular Legacy players. But, mm-hmm. again, I would probably sp- split between, like, regular Legacy and content creation. Yeah. Oh, that's a good. That's actually, I didn't think about that. But yeah, for content creators, that's you get so many more like wonky decks and and even like stuff to talk about or showcase uh, that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. So that's definitely a plus for. So yeah, but also like for people who are mainly relying on on passive participation in the format, right? People who just like love to listen to podcasts, watch videos, but don't really get to play all that much anymore. I think that's also something that's quite interesting if you have more things going on in the format. Yeah, I see. I don't have a problem with the numbers of coming to the format necessarily. I think a lot of like the newer cards end up not being great and stuff. But I think they're all just a bit too pushed, and I think a lot of people agree. Yeah, Good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> moving on, we have a question from Star Fox four hundred and forty-four. What are your favorite magic and or legacy stories over the past year? So let's do that one first. Yeah, the second one as well. I'll start quickly. Um. You gave us a good heads up, Julian, yesterday, said so, uh, this is one of the questions. Have a think about it. I haven't been able to think of anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, oh, okay. I can't think of something interesting. I'm sorry. So you guys, take it away. Wait, so the favorite magic and legacy stories over the over the past year? Over the past year, not in the, like not of all time. Uh, I don't know if, if that counts as a story, but uh, I started streaming. <laughs> maybe, I mean, that's maybe, a big story maybe, maybe that counts as a story but um yeah generally i, th- I think um like yeah like i'm starting the the content creation on, on twitch uh which is somewhat of a, of a big it was a big deal for me um at least like you know it's like do, doing like more of the magic stuff um in in public especially during the pandemic was uh was like you know what the thing but um in terf- in terms of legacy stories um i think Huh. I like I don't know. I, I can I can I can definitely say that like last year I, I had a pretty insane um run with Doomsday at least. Um especially before Modern Horizons 2. But uh we also had a lot of punts in there. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously we had we had the big uh battle between Calvin Smith and uh you know that's oh, Salvatorix. Yeah, that's 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 that's, that's, that, that's, uh, that's Salvatorix, dude who uh That's barely in the last twenty uh twelve months, but I think it still counts. Yes, that's my answer. Yes. <laughs> Actually, that was such a weird thing. Uh, I mean we, yeah, we're not gonna talk about the results obviously, but <laughs> no, you know, no. it, 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 it was it was it was it was good. It was good. It was great. <laughs> that was when Painter was like super fringe still. Like I look back like, back at the list now, I'm like, oh I don't know, don't know about this. But um <laughs> I still have like the backstory of that, like some some Korean high roller is just like all of a sudden sponsoring grudge, grudge matches all across Legacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta be honest, when we went into that, I was like very excited to like thinking, you know what? If I win two matches, I'm really happy because I'm like this is a middling to lower tier two deck against the best deck in the format, tied with Delve at the time, really. Like Doomsday was, and yeah, 
well, you got to go and check out the video, see what the results are. Yeah, yeah maybe you don't, really, you, you don't really want to do that. But yeah. I, I very much recommended it. Yeah. Uh, cool. So um, for me, I well, if I uh, if I want to have a little bit of well, Schadenfreude is well, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, the interview that the boss of SCG did on Humans of Magic, holy shit, that meltdown! I oh, I need, to, I need to listen to that. You haven't yet? No, Honestly, I haven't. like I, I was going to skip to the meltdown part, but I actually ended up listening to the first, I think, hour or two where he talks about building SCG. And I want to say that was actually even more interesting. Like the meltdown part, you kind of listen to it and you're like, holy shit, is this yeah, really I, I happening? I hate meltdown, but this is the yeah. kind of meltdown I can get behind. Yeah, but the the first part where he spoke about building SCG, that was incredible. Like get, getting to know that how he was like randomly traveling to events, like buying comics and sometimes buying like artist proofs just because he wanted to support the artists. And then all of a sudden those artist proofs like times a hundred in value or something. And, and all of a sudden you like he had all that money on him and he was like traveling all around the US and, and buying, selling comics. Uh, I'm actually glad that I didn't skip that uh, and didn't like skip straight ahead to the meltdown. So yeah, that was, that was a really interesting story that, let me learn a lot of stuff I think I wouldn't otherwise have learned. And yeah, for me personally, I want to say it's the the growth of the energy series uh, where mm. I've been a commentator for, I, I can't even tell you, like, has it been a year almost? Uh, I don't know. I always felt like, oh, they they just like, they got me as this random legacy dude. Uh, so I wasn't sure like how they, how committed they were to like having me and like supporting me as a commentator on their, on their production. But yeah, then at some point they were like, hey, Julian, give me your address. I want to send you your official energy commentator uh, hoodie or, or sip, sip thing, whatever. I was like, oh, wow, this is this is like getting serious. And now when we do it, I'm having such a great time. I even ended up casting more formats than just Legacy uh, the other day. And yeah, this is this is an amazing production. Everybody's so chill. I uh, get to hang out with Joe, Joe Lossett again. Um, Whom I had a whom I had a lot of battles with back then, um, like on the battlefield, not in real life. I think your uh, your Top Vincer digs have been a bit low, but yeah. What has been a bit low? Your digs about Vencer has been a bit low. Oh yeah, I should I should, <laughs> should actually keep, keep that in mind for next time. <laughs> yeah, just bring up Mystic Gate and Vencer, please. Oh, that's <laughs> but no, yeah. That to me, that uh, from my personal story, like that's I've been really enjoying that and being involved with that, and yeah. I'm not sure if it's like the biggest series that's um, put on right now, but every time like I, I when I'm done with my commentary shift and I, I tune in, it's like, oh, wow, there's a couple hundred people watching. And I love that. I love that that's a thing. And I love watching that. And I love being involved with that. So yeah, shout outs to, to the energy series. Yeah, Hell yeah. energy's Hell great. Yeah. I've, I've been watching it every single time there's an event on and it's incredibly professionally done. It's, uh, it's really the, it's just taking over what SCG, the void they left. And it's great. Okay. Cool. Okay, uh, next one comes. Uh, it's more. This is more like a like a general question. I think this is from Reaple Cheap. Oh, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, okay. Can I stop you there? <laughs> yeah. Star Fox had a second question that, that I didn't want to. Oh shit. Over. Okay. How do you feel about the future of legacy locally and on Magic Online? Hi. Uh, diverse. Uh, I think um, ma Magic locally will be way different than Magic Online. Uh, Magic Online will still. I I almost don't care how how much um, how much they will you know like um print new stuff or ban things or whatever they will um the the um the percentages on magic online will always always be um a bit off i think um because uh yeah like you know like as, as, as we talked about in the last episode like delva was like criminally high pre um um present at the the last event and 
uh, like a lot of a lot of people who play magic locally at least here in berlin for example like a lot of people really don't just don't care as much about like uh online um results and, and things like that that they, they just only have like one or two decks and you know they want to play them they want to like tech on them maybe they only own plateaus and savannas and scrublands and you know like that's that's just like what, what people do but um, I think the future of, leg of, of legacy um, on a local level will probably also involve proxies. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure on that because um, uh, the the biggest entry was basically like those dual lands, right? And and if anyone wants to get into legacy, um, they should have an easy time, like you know, like an, an easy entry, like just like us uh, ten years ago. So uh, yeah. that's my take on on local legacy. Sounds good. Yeah, for me, I'm. I agree that they are quite different. Like, I'm pretty optimistic about both. Um, Legacy Online is. I just love how accessible it is. You can play like the the loan programs are great. The the things where you can get a token and you can play with any card come around a couple of times a year as well. They're great as well. It's just an amazing an amazing tool to be able to like practice the format. Um, as Kai alluded to, like some of the numbers, it is kind of sometimes cutthroat, especially with the bigger events. But we have an outlet to play very competitively if we want to. And then paper, we still are going to have big events. Like we, as we talked about, we have this like European Masters thing coming up. We have four seasons going on. We have tons of grassroots events like the LLMs I run or the ones in Germany, um, the Austrian Legacy League and stuff. Um, I do very much agree that uh, proxies are going to be a big part of that, and I hope that they become normalized even more. They're pretty much accepted everywhere, like in paper now, apart from like the bigger events, I guess. But I think people are coming around to yeah, it's just going to be the future of the format, and I don't think anyone really cares if they're playing as proxies as long as they're nicely done so yeah i'm i'm really optimistic about both it's great yeah so it sounds like people should order proxies from savatarix.com mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what i meant but uh yeah please please but please go ahead <laughs> cool cool and yeah for me um i pretty much agree with what you guys say right uh magic online is always going to be like the basic super cutthroat uh style of events especially the challenges where i feel like it's still another step up from just the leaks and locally, people just, like, love playing Magic. And I feel like a lot of, like, locals there are tangentially aware of, like, that there's online stuff happening and they sometimes, like, check the lists and stuff and are involved. But they're not like, oh, I, like, every week I got to stay on top of everything um, because that's not the level of attention they pay to their hobby that is, uh, their hobby that is Magic. Yeah. Uh, it, like it also other people just do. doesn't make sense to do that, right? Like, if they're keeping up with the Magic Online lists and, like, tuning their thing that they play at their local to that the other people right. aren't like it doesn't make right. any sense so like, like like yeah like imagine imagine like showing up to a local tournament with like three power blast main board and <laughs> <Yeah>. your local <laughs> and like <laughs> you're, you're yeah you bet the game is like i don't like uh 50 goblins or something yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> or they just go like okay fine thoughts is you him you cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. interesting that, that, that like they would be looking at your card and like this guy right. is stupid right. he has main deck pyroblast right like this got this got this got everything but those pyroblasts you know <laughs> but like did you forget sideward from your last round sorry you, you can go ahead and do it if you want yeah um to, to to tie it somewhat back to the question about the actual future uh, I don't think Magic Online is going anywhere. Uh, it's probably like still making an insane amount of money for Wizards. Uh, so I think that's just like going to be around for many more years. And yeah, locally, even more so, right? Uh, we've I've been playing Magic for like like most of you guys for over something like 15, 16 years now. And I've never seen this kind of growth in our local scene ever since like 2008, 2009, when that was like the first big explosion I witnessed. And the last year, basically, uh, 
tournament participation participation field by proxies has absolutely exploded and i think it's it's going to be here to stay and grow even further mm -hmm. okay now Kyle, uh, you can go ahead yeah uh, so yeah, Ripple Cheap um, is asking, like, this is more like a general question, I think. Um, why did you start playing Legacy over other formats? Are those reasons still true? So uh, what do you guys think? Well, for me, it's pretty easy. I wanted to play Enchantress. I went on MTG Celebration and asked people, where can I play Enchantress? People say, you can play Enchantress in Legacy. I was like, okay, I'm a Legacy player now, and you can still play Enchantress. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's good. Callum? Mine was... Um... I never played it like at a high level or anything, but I used when I was younger, I played extended and stuff. And I had a ton of favorites there. And um, one of them was actually Blue Green Enchantress, which I absolutely adored. Words of Wind, Exploration, Bounce, Play Another Land. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> like Cloud of Fairies as well and stuff. Um, Wild Growths, all those things. That was so I had a ton of favorites then. Then I had a long break and then I came back just when Innistrad got released. And I definitely like played some standard and whatever for, for about a year and then i started realizing oh there's this legacy thing so i started going to the local legacy nights and we had such a cool supportive scene there's especially a guy called stuart shaum who would lend me decks just he would bring like five decks with him and every single time i didn't even need, need to call ahead he was just like yeah cool yeah he just had everything so um i built um oops as my first deck actually or, was, or the Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Ooh, but damn. I built it. That was the first I could build, and it didn't even have a sideboard. So obviously, I just lost every single round every time. <laughs> I'd win some game ones, but then, uh, yeah. But um, I just liked the nostalgia of these things that I used to enjoy. So, like, uh, just, I just like old cards. For, yeah. And um, there wasn't, like, a thing in Legacy that got me into it. And then what got me into, like, actual good decks in Legacy, because I had, like, Werewolf Stompy as well. I had some terrible things. Um, was GP <laughs> gonna say Seattle, but I could be wrong. It's 2015. The, it was the one where uh, Esper Stoneblade won with uh, Vigianto Vijaya. Oh, it's, yeah, twenty. Uh, that's twenty twelve. Yeah, cool. That one with Jund in the in the finals. Watching that was just like so much cool back and forth. So I built both Jund and Esper Stoneblade off the back of that, and uh, the rest was history. That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. And Kai, how about you? How did uh, you get into Legacy? Yeah, so I think for for me it was ba it was also a blue black uh, blue green deck, but it was um I had I had this a uh, place sort of Venge Vines back in the day, and I really wanted to, um you know to, to make them work. And the one outlet was it, this was like after Survival was banned in Legacy, but um I saw that Intuition can kind of do the same thing where you grab three <laughs> copies of Venge Vine nice. and like that. Yeah, I kind of wanted to do that, and I already had a couple of Aqua Amoebas and Asking Root Follows and uh, Wild <laughs> Mongrels in my on my desk, right? So I was like, dude, that Legacy is the is the only outlet for those cards, and um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can play madness in uh and i at other seal um and the reasons are not still true um i i don't play vengevines anymore in legacy i also don't play any intuitions and and wild mongrels no aqua amoebas but um, maybe, maybe you should but blue do but blue green really like that that deck was um i tried so hard to to you know to um to and make you it got work, so but, far yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really matter yeah it's was, it was, it was just bad it was just bad do you remember chris anderson playing like blue green vengevine on the sg tour a bunch wasn't he also famous for playing enchantress yeah he played oh. elves as well like he he was he dabbled in tons of things but i know he had like intuition for three vengevines but like in a guy's cradle based deck and stuff that was Absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome as well. you know like the, the 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 one guy who really got me into this uh vengevine thingy was a uh, caleb dervert and back in 2000, and I, it must have been like 2010, maybe. He's like, he's responsible for banning. In GP, yeah, I think for, 
it was uh, GP Columbus, right? Where like I think um, Tomoharu Saito um, took it yeah. down with Merfolk, but he won the Caleb... finals against Caleb. Uh it was it was the it was the semifinals. Was I think he played against, he, okay. he played against Tom Martel in the in the finals. Yeah, like he was playing like a four color supreme blue whatever Jace ah, control deck. And I think one of them played against against Brian Cook in in the quarterfinals, right? I'm pretty right, sure. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was Caleb. Yeah, so Caleb beat Brian Cook in the quarterfinals. Just. Just not because of counters, just because like his uh, vengeance were too fast, really. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That, that was like one of the legendary. Le what? I mean, every legacy chip he's legendary, right. but that was like a very legendary one in the first place. Yeah, but I saw that I was like, dude, vengeance is literally the coolest creature ever printed. <laughs> and I mean, that was that was that was baby Kai, you know, in twenty two at uh, twenty ten. So, uh, yeah, damn legacy, what a cool format. Yeah, yes, definitely. Cool. Okay. Ah, uh, let's go. Oh. Uh, next question, Callum, maybe or someone yeah. else. This is from lovely name Buck Fumers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's for you, Kai. What does Julian think about Finarsa and elves? Yeah, I... Kai. What does Julian think about Finarsa? <laughs> what does Julian think about Finarsa? <laughs> Julian, you can answer it after if you want. Okay. okay. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to go ahead. Um, the first time um, I saw this stream where I think Newton even brought it up, my first thought was. Is this really the best discard creature we can we can fiend uh what's it called fiend artisan for? And I still haven't looked it up. I guess there's also brain maggot, which happens to be an enchantment, so it's probably like slightly worse. Uh, but I I haven't fully formed an opinion in any of that stuff yet because I feel like especially the the way Newton um constructs elves these days is very much a work in progress. I feel like every week there's a new um where he cause it discovery right so for example fiend artisan uh and then shriek more a couple like, more like a month or two back uh and then that whole aspect of not only one, like one fiend artisan like it was before but now fully committing to fiend artisan now cutting the glimpses and i spoke to him actually last week we were discussing about what else could be cut from the deck and i suggested heritage to it because i feel like with uh glimpse gun there's even less reason to to have heritage do it around because the main reason now for heritage do it is to basically like set up like casting uh, elvish visionary a couple of times a turn because you have the mana for that but i felt like elves is so good at having three mana on turn two we maybe should actually cut heritage to it's like in this build uh first of all in this this like mid-range build for more lanawa elves mystic uh mystic what's it called mystic elfish mystic uh finton elves and stuff and i think that's what he did in his most recent Built. Uh, I think it's on his Patreon, so I'm not going to spoil the entire build. But yeah, this is what we discussed. And I think generally elves moving in that direction, like going mid-range, 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 mid-range. Uh, I feel like there's going to be a breaking point at some point, and we haven't reached that one yet. Because the more you commit to the mid-range, the more people, other decks in the format, need to understand, okay, this is not the deck that will randomly kill you on the second or even third turn. And the more that knowledge settles in, of course, that more that is going to hurt those mid-range builds of elves. But I think a lot of right. people are slow to adapt and they still feel like, oh, that's going to be like... like you, you know, sometimes I go, um, doesn't even matter what I play, I go turn one heritage to it, which is one of the weak car plays in elves, and they're like, <gasps> force, pitch, I don't know, brainstorm. <laughs> I'm like, this is the best thing that could ever yeah, happen yeah. to me. Right. And yeah, uh, I mean, part of that is, of course, they don't want to get their force invalidated by, by Adesaro Shepard. So... Yeah, if Fiend Art like specifically Fiend Artisan, if that's the best discard creature we uh Oh my god, the entire question was about Fiend Artisan, not about the 
what, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you? Yeah, what, I was gonna say. What are, what are you talking about? Uh, okay, okay, guys. What, what, what's the what's the one colorless and the black one one? Uh, when it comes to play, you take a card from your opponent's hand. Well, Looks really weird. Fiend? Mesmeric Fiend. See, this Mesmer- is pretty... <laughs> Dude! <laughs> but I mean, if I was talking about the deck in general, so I guess most of this applies. So, yeah. It uh, made sense ma- up until now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was like, Mesmeric Fiend was the one that threw me off because I was thinking, is there, is there nothing else that's that's like good in the two slots for... When to, you mentioned Brain something? Maggot, I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. What, what, what's the guy talking about? But so, no, as you said, like, Kai, what do you think about feed artisans? So, so, I th- <laughs> so, I think people should definitely play more feed artisans if they really want to die to opposition agent. That's my take on mm. it. But yeah. the, the idea is that you use fiend artisan to te- to get opposition agent. And I think from oh, a... Oh, stu- shit. Yeah, yeah. So, so from that. a strategic point of view, it's really tacked out mm. because you do have mindback traps, which is something, for example, Death and Texas players have always been so resistant to, which they really shouldn't because they had a good turn to play in, in Thalia. And that's basically the idea in uh, in elves uh, as well. So you you have like discard spells in turn one. You even have potentially mindbreak trap. Then you land the fiend artisan. You bridge the gap until turn three. And then on turn three, you can maybe go straight into a position agent, depending what your mana is like. Or you find not fiend artisan, but mesmeric fiend. Mesmeric fiend. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. And and I mean it's. In that regard, it's teched out, and you can also find Opposition Agent, which would be another one-off. And then, of course, Fiend Artisan can potentially grow rather big and, and raise them. So, yeah, for me, I think strategically it's very sound, uh, and obviously it's also like putting up numbers right now. Uh, I wonder whether there's going to be a turning point where people are really going to address it as the mid-range deck that it is, and, you know, play more, let's say... Like, even attacking the mana. Like, one of the, the most annoying things when you play the deck is, is if they could just go Wasteland Go and you can't really activate your Reclaimer because you know your Cradle's gonna come and tap and get Wastelanded. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you you still, like, see people just, like, fire off that, that Wasteland as soon as it's possible on, on something else. Which, it's more effective now. Yeah, it, it yeah. still makes sense, but sometimes it's really worth it to just, yeah. like, try and disable the I cited in four makers against elves. Yeah, you should. You should. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's basically two ways to attack these mid-range builds and one of them is blood moon megas of the moon that kind of stuff and the other is to have some kind of opposition agent effect we, we still have like don't have a proper name for not allowing searches right shadow of doubt whatever <laughs> yeah opposition agent was when newton like added one um fiend artisan we were already saying that fiend, uh, opposition agent is probably the best card against elves like plague engineers days are over in that matchup it's just yeah. It's just bad. Um, Opposition Agent is insane there. And with the upping of four artisans, like, you do need to respect the size of the artisans. I, I think it's a really good addition to the deck. And I played a league last week and it was all, it was all pretty strong. It was the Glimpses version. Um, there's obviously pros and cons to both, and Newton's still trying to work that out on the rest of the Elves community. But Fiend Artisan is really good. I liked it in the deck. But um, it, it's just very weak to Opposition Agent. So I don't know if they're going to tailor some removal to help with that. Yeah, but something I also noticed is when you play Shriek mode, you can't Shriek mode the opposition agent, and yeah. of course you also can't do it in instant speed. So there's there's still some friction, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm c- kind of intrigued by seeing how or whether decks will even like adjust in the first place because that's just like the nature of Legacy, right? You can't really adjust your deck just to address a single deck, even though it's one of the more played ones. Uh, and I'm I'm curious how this is going to work out. Also, Fiend Artisan growing and being big is sometimes actually relevant for racing purposes. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, it's just a big beta, right? Like against Elva, their plan is to 
you know, speaks to the um, end the festivities and bolt your things, kill the mm-hmm. reclaimer. And then Fienelson comes down as like a two mana four four, or at least, and it's just hard to deal with. So I think as long as Elv keeps, keeps putting up numbers and is good against Delver, Delver's going to have to play like two submergers at least. Yeah, submergers is a really big deal. Yeah. Uh, Stifle as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stifle is just like, you, you don't want to get your Fiend Artisans or like Reclaimer getting stifled. Ugh. Oh, yeah, true. Oof, hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Cool. So, Sick. moving to the next question. Max Tarshan, if I had to pick one of you to visit, who should it be and why? And I have a pretty strong opinion about that. I have also a pretty strong opinion. On I this. have a stronger <laughs> opinion than both of you. Okay, <laughs> let, let, let the strongest uh, make the call. Uh, none of us? No, I, no. I thought you had a stronger opinion than us. <laughs> it should be it should be me. Obviously, it should be me. Because we've met once before, had a great time. We went to a cocktail place and that oh, was so damn. fun. You should come again. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Get, interesting. Get wrecked. Damn. Because <laughs> I thought Max should definitely go to Julian because Julian lives in Munich and Munich is like one of the most like German ish cities yeah. ever. Yeah. It's like literally like if you if you like if there's like one city that sums up Germany in like like you just just completely that that's like that's like Munich to me. Like there's no other city that's more German than than Munich. That's but crazy. at least uh, you know that's that that's the interesting part to me because I was gonna say Max should visit you in Berlin because if <laughs> he came to me in Munich, that's pretty much how Americans think about like what Germany is like, right? You know, they yeah. they always have like these stereotypes about people wearing like lederhosen and and drinking beer and beer gardens and stuff. And and you have lederhosen on right now, right? Uh, of course, all the time. Like even when I'm when I have a shower, yeah, even at yeah. Night. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, but but here's the problem. Like like Berlin is literally trash city, as I as I mentioned like a thousand yes, times exactly. in, in the cast. So like Max will just want to broaden your horizon. You want to see will, the trash. I mean, he will come here, see all the trash, and then leave all no, already. No, you Americans know, th- know about trash. They have it everywhere as well. <laughs> but he's from California. Yeah, I, I, I don't say. know California. I just know in New York, there's tons of trash. Okay. Yeah, actually, there could be trash in California. I have no idea. I've never been to LA. Yep. But yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? You heard if it you... here first, guys. You might there might be trash in California. There might be <laughs> trash. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you if you come and you go to Berlin, you see the side of Germany that doesn't exist anywhere else in Germany. Because right. my my fa- my favorite way to to say it that I read somewhere is, Berlin is like a giant UFO that's landed on top of Germany. Like it's in the middle right. of nowhere in Germany. It's like on top of Brandenburg, where there's just like nothing. Uh, Shout out to Potsdam. I, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like Berlin is like the most like embarrassing and colorful part of Germany. Really. Yeah, and I think like, that's like, what you anything... want to see because that really tells you something more about just the idea you have of Germany in your head. Yeah, it's some some wild people here. So these two can't <laughs> even agree. So Max, come and visit me. We'll go and get drunk. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, let's go with the, the next question. Uh, Zoomer Storm fan, what is the most buzzing food in Germany now? I I have how a pretty. How is this even a question? How is that even a question? I okay. So I um I know that a lot of people who come to at least to Berlin for the first time they always talk about this like it's there's like this thing called a curry sausage curry wurst. It and and uh, the first time I had it I thought it was like the most busting food ever, but now I feel like it's exactly the opposite because <laughs> like it's 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 essentially it's like it's like a it's like a, a sausage, um which some with some curry sauce on top and the curry sauce is so flavor intense that it almost doesn't matter what kind of sausage it is underneath doesn't um, even need to be a sausage could just it doesn't be even, like it maybe it's like a finger or something i don't know like a, <laughs> it's who just cares? Like a pigeon it's like, it's like a rat know. or something yeah like a rat person <laughs> i don't know <laughs> something but uh yeah no because like back back in the day i thought that's like the like the coolest thing and um, about berlin but now it's literally the opposite 
I mean, it's, um, for me, it's straight up just like doing a kebab. Right. Oh, that's the mo- yeah, the most German-ish food. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the most famous, most popular German street food. That's pretty good, though. Do do they have uh, kebabs in, in, in the UK, too? Uh, people have, like, kebabs, yeah. like, basically all around the world, but I don't know if they have, like, doner kebab. Oh, uh, they definitely have kebabs here and doner kebabs. Um, I've been vegetarian most of my life, so I'm not really, like, the biggest expert on where to go. Oh, I mean, you can, you can put anything in it. It doesn't have to be meat. Yeah, yeah, but I, I haven't really gone to this place right. as much. But, yeah. yeah. But I, I, can, I can definitely agree with Julian, though. Um, the, the kebab are... The kebab sandwiches are pretty, pretty gassed in, in Germany um, because the kebab sandwiches in, in Japan are like literally equal shit. Um, they're so, so bad, overpriced. They don't, they don't even put like cabbage in it. I, I don't even know what they put in, put in there, but it's, it's, not, it's not actual food, I think. <laughs> cool. Next one. Should I take it over? Um, Dukes, Dukes on Twitch says, what has been each of your favorite legacy metagames and why? When you kick us off, Julian. Well, this is pretty clear for me. For me, it's um, late 2011 legacy when we had the trifecta of Canadian Threshold, Green White Maverick, and Esper Stormblade. That's people say it's nostalgia. Yeah, but I've been playing legacy for five years at that point, for almost five years at that point. So I I, I might as well be nostalgic for previous formats. But no, I'm specifically nostalgic for that uh, period after Dig Through Time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> after the Mental Misstep ban, because I felt like this was where I got to play the deepest, most meaningful, meaningful (laughs) uh, (laughs) magic that I really, really enjoyed playing Green White uh, Maverick. And to me, that's the best metagame I've ever played in. Okay. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people will probably agree with you, Julian. Um, I'm exactly the opposite. Um, uh, I I my favorite legacy metagame of all time was probably Dig Through Time Legacy. A lot, a lot, a lot of people hated Dig Through Time. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, that you know, like the the only one reason is because us um that was the absolute best meta game for uh Ad Nauseum Tendrils in, I think in the past twenty thirty years of um you know. Mm-hmm. of magic of magic i think like um the the dick through time and the treasure cruise um era of legacy was yeah was the absolute best for that northern tendrils and which is my all-time favorite uh deck in, mm-hmm. the, in legacy so um you know Callum, help, help us out here i hope you have something nice yeah hands <laughs> down snowco i just loved it it was just oh beautiful my guys, oh my god dude really? are you fucking kidding me oh my goodness <laughs> i'm totally joking it was abysmal that's oh, oh it's the favorite not the worst okay snowco was the absolute worst legacy format i've ever played in my life bar none oh my goodness um <laughs> sorry best I, i'm gonna like have a, a side thing here where i loved playing with lyris and zerda um but only because it was so short-lived. It was insanely fun for me. Everything was new and fresh. It's like this, what was it, like three or four months or something of only Magic Online, basically. But I had a great time playing Alluris. But I think if it was any longer, we would have grown to hate it very fast. But other than that, I gotta be with Kai here, dude. I'm sorry. Are I- you fucking kidding me, guys? What the <laughs> fuck? Are, are you guys trying to rewrite history? So my my actual favorite is just all going to be based on like decks I enjoy at the time. So my actual favorite is whenever Shardless was good. I love love Shardless. I'd get dicked on by miracles online and stuff, but so it goes. But yeah, Shardless like Shardless Peak was a was a big favorite of mine. But I also loved this Grixis Dig Through Time thing. And I think at that point I wasn't quite good enough at Legacy to like. Or I wasn't playing online, plus I wasn't quite good enough to notice the actual really unhealthy things. I just enjoyed th- those decks. So I didn't play Omnitel, but I played... Um, yeah, I, just, I carried on playing Shardless then, but I also played that Grixis Stick Through Time thing. 
I like how you're gatekeeping okay. yourself. You're saying, oh, well, I, I enjoyed this, but I wasn't quite good enough to understand that it was not very enjoyable. Yeah. Well, like, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're literally gatekeeping yourself out of this. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I don't think I have, like... Because I don't know if the question is framed as, like... Well, it, it's framed as in what's your favorite, right? So it doesn't have to be yeah. healthy. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to say, like, that grip to stick through time deck is one of my favorites I've ever played. Um, otherwise, the most healthy for a long time was, like, uh, whenever Blue White Stoneblade won that when Daniel won that GP Niagara Falls. Oh, that was, oh, that, that, was that, that was that was a good time too. Yeah. You know what, uh, Dukes on Twitch, like if if um if you could maybe send the same question maybe like in exactly twelve months again, because I bet Callum's gonna say that you know best legacy metagame is probably like Dread or Arcanist and Oko area. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so actually, quick one of our own questions: out of those three cards, Ren Six, Oko, and Dread or Arcanist, what's your least favorite? Arcanist. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, Arcanist for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely Arcanist. <laughs> cool. I, I, like, I had to give it Oko's a thought again. Close. But yeah. Super close. I think Arcanist and Oko are my least favorite cards like I've ever played against in Legacy. So, sorry, what was the first one? Oko and Arcanist. Yeah, and the first one? Uh, Ren and Six. Oh, definitely Arcanist. Like, yeah. by, by a yeah. mile. Yeah. By a mile, yeah. <laughs> Oko is pretty close. Like, it absolutely miserable. Yeah, Arcanist is something else. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Albert Lindbaum, Ellie on MTGO sends us a question. Quick, fuck Mary Kill. Blue Red Delver, Reanimator, and Four Color Greed Pile. I'm going to just help you guys out quickly because I've, I've actually researched up his question and he does define it a little bit. He says, Kill means sledgehammer ban out of the format. Fuck means play in a challenge and never pick it up again. And Marry means only play this deck for the rest of your life. Okay, for me, it's just like. I'm definitely gonna kill Four Color Greed Pile because that's <laughs> absolutely opposed to anything I ever believed in. Uh, <laughs> Mary, for sure, Blue Red Diver because it's basically anything I ever wanted in a deck. It's tempo, it's aggressive, it punishes weakness. And fuck Reanimator because it just gives you a great time, but you don't wanna stick around with it long term. Um, yeah, I wanna copy paste Julian exactly for the same reasons. Cool. I'm marrying, oh, no. I'm marrying Four Color Greed Pile. I like these. I like these. Yeah, you, you won't have a lot of competition. That's going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Kai and I, we're going to be at the wedding. We're like, okay, we are happy right. that Callum found somebody. But right. okay. <laughs> it's going to be really, like one of these weird weddings where you're table. like, Callum, as a friend, I've got to tell you, I'm not sure about this. Like, okay. do it if your heart tells <laughs> I mean, you. I don't know. This is an intervention. I mean, like, like you know, like it's, it's like the, the one guy you're going to invite to the, the wedding, but he's going to sit at the last table. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> The other two, like, I don't really mind. I... I'd fuck both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? I don't want to kill either. I'd fuck both. I'll marry Fork of the Greed Pal and I'll marry... Uh, uh, no, the other way around. I'll marry, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'll marry the Greed and I'll fuck Blue Red Delvin and Animator. There we go. Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, next uh, next one question is from uh, Peter Plank. Hey, uh, what do you think about Esper Sentinel and Legacy? Uh, and... No. That's Let's it. go with the first one. So, Esper Sentinel and Legacy. I remember when we had Andrea Mangucci on the podcast in the beginning of the format, he he was absolutely flabbergasted that this card doesn't see more play in Legacy. And I kind of agree with him. Like, it's not that I say, hey, people are stupid for not playing it because then I should be playing it. But I want to say, like, most of the time when I play against it, it's actually quite annoying. But I'm not sure if it justifies the slot. But I think it's one of those cards that, if anything, it's somewhat underrated. Yeah, I've got some strong-ish opinions on it and some thoughts. I've tried it in quite a lot of things. I've tried it in blue shells. I played like in a kind of blue-white tempo thing with stifles and blah blah. Um I've I've played like mono white painter. I've even tried it a bit in other kind of painter shells. And 
it's annoying, but it just for me, it kind of walks into a lot of hate people playing. Again, I know I go on about Meltdown a lot, but like it's such an easy thing to just sweep up with Meltdown. And it's a one-one. It like it just dies to it's just soft breezes. And it, sometimes you have a really good game with it, and it does draw you like two cards, and that's amazing for one drop. But being a one-one, it just has no pressure. It needs right. to be like a two-one, which would be super pushed, obviously. I'm glad it's not. But I had these games where I was playing this kind of like tempo thing and I'd play it and I'd like, you know, stifle or waste them. But then I'm attacking for one for a few turns. So it's kind of like, it's not really a disruption element because they can ignore it and they can play around it. So then then fine, you need to be playing other things that make them like have to play into its effect. Ninja of the Deep Hours. What? <laughs> Ninja of the Deep Hours. I was just thinking like if you, if you have this one drop that doesn't really contribute a lot by just attacking, you need to... Add something that supplements the attacking, like you know, like an equipment or ninja of the deep hours. Mm, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna that's, say, yeah, Merc Tide is something that puts them under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you know, like nuclear bombs are great yeah. with machine guns. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Merc that picks any, any deck, I guess. But yeah, I, I, I was thinking about like, um, Esper Sentinel, I think. It, it is unfortunate that it's a human soldier and white because if that was like a, a blue one mana one one merfolk for example it could have been like you know qu quite a quite a staple with like lord of atlantis and you know other lords mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. there is no lord for human soldier i think like not not a good one at least there's a um, yeah there's one coming up for like infinite mana right it's but if bad. there was like if there was like something like 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 a like a like a like a, like a, ETH, like a Good ether vial lord deck for uh for Esper Sentinel. I think that'd be that'd be something sweet. But as for now, it's it's just it just doesn't really fit anything. Yeah, it's 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 a strong card. Just for me, the effect is very very strong. But the body is so small and lackluster. It, it that's what lets it down for me. I think I think right. I do agree it's underrated. Like and it's maybe a bit underplayed. But it's as you said, it doesn't have a home, and it's not strong enough to make a home for. I think. Right. Yeah. It's 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 almost like it almost doesn't count as a creature, mm. right? <laughs> Poor it's, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's like, it's, like the, it's probably like the rudest. It's probably like the rudest thing you can say to a creature. It's like you you almost don't count as a creature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, actually, it, it, it's it's a four of in hammer. Um, it's fantastic there because you put a hammer on it and it's an eleven eleven, so you will be drawing cards off it. I guess, but then, but then you already win the game because it, you have a freaking I don't know eleven eleven, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, right. It's like you know, yeah. you, you might have like a mother of runes you're playing against or whatever. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think we can we can sum it up. Like Esper Sentinel, probably it cool effect, but the the body is just not. It's, yeah. It's it, yeah, like there's, there's something missing. Because right? I know I know Peter's been playing in. He plays red white painter. Um, so it's right. working there. I like that pause of like. Contempt. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I'm trying to get. I just, I just feel like his version is super cool. It's very grindy. He plays experimental synthesizers, which is also cool because it's like low to the ground, so you can find the sentinel off it. Like you want to have tons of, you want to have like four lose pedals, four mox opals when you're playing synthesizer decks because you just want like tons of artifacts to play to the board and get things to play off it. But in my opinion, that that kind of build is probably more powerful than like what I play. Like more fast mana is really good, but. I feel like, dude, you haven't played against enough meltdowns. I've played tons of Formox Opal Painter and and LEDs and whatever. You just get destroyed by the hate people play. It's it's really brutal. So right. Okay. Okay. So Pete, Peter also has um a second question. So what do you think about the sentiment that Legacy changed into a jam format with protection after being called a very strategic low paced format? So now this question is really interesting because I think I think that's like some leading. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people, ha like, if they have, like, a general, like, complaint about Legacy, it's, beca it's because that is pretty much true. I don't think so. But I, I, I got, like, a, a more of a meta thought about it. Um, ch For example, just because it might be the right thing to tap out, uh, say, more often than the past, that doesn't take away from the strategy at all. Like, strategy doesn't have anything to do with uh, whether you tap out a lot or not. Strategy is about whether it makes sense in this position to tap out or not, you know, in the long run. Just because you tap out doesn't mean, oh, the strategy goes out the window. Like, formats where you tap out more often can still be, like, super strategic because sometimes you don't tap out. Like, if you literally brain-deadly try to spend all of your mana every single turn just because that's what the format rewards, I would agree. But, I mean, that's not Legacy. No, you'll if you try and spend all your mana every turn in this format, you'll get absolutely destroyed. It's not how Legacy plays right now. Um, Delver being the biggest deck is Delver is the most interactive deck arguably like you are playing around removal and counter magic it depends on the matchup of course but like you are s still working out if you can play around days or not you are like yeah sometimes they play a Merc Tide and just force your removal spell but like that was true of so many threats in the past as well it's it's not a new thing like if they're doing with, that with a Tarmogoyf 10 years ago that's, that's still the same thing that's happening to you so I, I don't agree with the sentiment yeah, right. I would also say, like, uh, you, you mentioned Chartless Buck earlier, right? That was a deck that usually tapped out quite a lot and, yeah. and still was part of some of the best meta games we had Absolutely. in Magic. Yeah, it was like, just that deck gave you weird decisions, like you would turn to fetch and then bring some end of their turn and stuff to set up cascades and just like weird things. Right. And I think decks these days still do have tons of interaction points and yeah. Totally. Also, I look 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 at look at a. Uh, I I I keep making fun of Jessica Control again, but like you know, look look at Jessica Control. You know, it doesn't tap out until turn three, three. and then it goes, and then it and then it taps out like, and then it terribly taps out from there. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Gotta say that the the threats got a little better than um, ten years ago, but you know, I think uh, Legacy still. I I would probably just. I don't know. Like, I think that the reason why Legacy still are so interesting is because there are a lot of like free spells and and things like that. Yeah. I think what we're going at is if there was a um a jam format, that's if if ban got if if ban got dazed, if days got banned, that's when jam format <laughs> would actually become a thing, and it'd be horrible. Yeah. But yeah. Also, right. let, let's take a deck like Painter, right? You might even tap out uh, on on quite a lot of turns, mm -hmm. but there's usually like tons of micro decisions that goes into that. So oh. you might spend all your mana on certain turns, but you still like did it for three or four different things. Painter and is at every single step, your opponent might, you know have something to do and you have to account for that in the way you sequence stuff so there's there's a lot i mean sequencing especially is more about tactics than strategy mm -hmm. but i would s agree that legacy still has a right. ton of tactics and strategy going into it which is like why so many people enjoy it i would argue yeah, that sequencing is the most important thing in the format to, yeah like does, doesn't like Ursa saga isn't that like the, the best example for yeah. like just like not doing something sometimes you know yeah, yeah. i feel so stupid like i remember when i started playing Ursa saga for the first time i would always play it but, but like i couldn't activate it actually the most interesting saga deck I'll, I'll say by far because you very often have hands with three lands one of them can be a soul land as well but depending on the rest of the the hand or if you know the matchup it is correct to play at turn one or turn two or turn three very very often i'll have like two mountains and a saga and that leads you to think like oh so you probably go mountain turn one saga turn two then mountain turn three so you can start activating it but like if you have something to play on turn three like a fable or a razor apprentice you're playing saga turn three because then you 
are playing your your curve into the saga, which saga activation comes to turn four. But if you're playing against like if you know it's a combo matchup, you're probably playing at turn one. Or if I if I'm playing against Doomsday, for example, I'm playing saga turn one because it means I get grindstone and play like two turns earlier. It's um yes, sequencing, yeah. especially with this kind of thing, will win and lose you games, and that's yeah, it's cool. yeah, very interesting. <laughs> All right, next one. Sure, light it over. I'll go. The man with one boot. What happens to your second boot? Uh, That's a question for you. Uh, what's a deck you think everyone should pilot at some point to better understand the format? Uh, I think at least it, two of us will certainly agree. Anything with brains and ponder. Mm. Uh, I think Delver. Yeah. Delver. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was gonna say play Delver. Uh, if you I, play Delver for a while, even if you yeah. think you're gonna suck with it, you're like the way you. You suck with Delver if you first play it. That's like when you first start working out and you get like sore muscles and everything yeah. hurts and like you feel bad. But that's literally how you break the shell and that's how you become a better player. I think, yeah, I think um, like Delver also, but also like a, a Stormforge Mystic Umizawa GT deck, I think. Um, for, We're not for trying better to make you lose for- too much. <laughs> I mean, for, for, so it's the like, doomsday I mean, player. Oh, play I mean, yeah, just you know, just just do that, kings, and, and don't even worry about doomsday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see. No, seriously, but seriously though, um, like pe- people should seriously get better at at, at combat in Legacy. Uh, it, it's it's I I already suck at at combat, but I've seen a lot of wonky attacks and blocks in Legacy. <laughs> so um, in in both paper and online. So uh, yeah, that's something you can definitely get an edge. Yeah. But I'll, yeah, cool. Delver teaches you flying combat. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Fly. I think Delver is the deck I recommend to everyone that asks me like where to start in the format, unless they have a strong opinion on what they think they'll like. It's Delver all the way through. It teaches. You by the by, by the way, I think like the um the you you saw a a lot of a lot of games where like people like miss um missed attacks and blocks during young pyromancer plus tokens against deathright charmants kind of kind of legacy you know what mm. i mean like like am i supposed to attack with like three gob um, with three tokens or like five or ten or you know when am i when am i supposed to like double block blah 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 mm. like those those times true true yeah and something i want to add to that because when i started playing legacy i think i subconsciously ruled out certain decks like for example most famously canadian threshold because in my in my head canadian threshold was for the good players and that was the i don't know the stupidest thing i could have thought but i think it would have certainly helped way 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 more than anything else i ever played back then uh if i had picked up a deck like that earlier and i was maybe even like consciously not only subconsciously uh in, in a position where I felt like, oh, I really can't play these tempo blue decks because those are for the good players. And I would just embarrass myself. It's like, yeah, guess what? Like, once I started playing those and I got a little bit more advanced on those and I started watching what I thought were the good players, I was like, yeah, they are actually shit. Or <laughs> 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 oh, not shit, but you, you get the idea, right? They're not those gods in blue that you think yeah. they are. But right? it's, it's also like the, the question is, what should you do to help you understand the format? And it is losing and then winning with Delver really. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Next question coming to us from Oliver Lux. What do you think about Reanimator in paper? I don't know why we're specifically talking about Reanimator in paper, but here we are. Callum. Um I think I'm gonna like guess a few things here, like how it's placed in paper. It's hard it's hard to actually answer that one. Because it's kind of it depends where you're playing like if you're playing at your, your local game store like your weekly thing and then you're gonna know if they play cyborg hate or not like the decks if you're not if you're not playing against any cyborg hate or good cyborg hate you're gonna wreck face right the deck is just designed to do that so 
yeah, if you're playing like a kind of a 50-ish person tournament, it's, I think Reanimate is a really good deck. It has kind of online, like we with the data we have that we're going off, it has a kind of lowish win rate, but it does spike big events very often. Um, the raw power of the deck is so good, it can just beat anything if you draw well. And I feel like in paper, people, if you're very good with Reanimator, you'll probably beat most hate people play in paper as well. But in paper, you'll also just run into people playing like Leyline's main deck and kind of like Helm of Obedience decks and the uh, Douthy Voidwalker people love and stuff. And you're just playing against random stuff in paper as well. So it's harder to anticipate the hate rather than like online. If you're playing Reanimator, you could be like, you play against Blue Zenith and then you look up the last challenge that was won by it and you can look at, you can guess what the sideboard hate to expect is. But in paper, it's just a bit more of a crapshoot. It's it's yeah. a super powerful deck, but you'll probably have some tournaments where you get absolutely destroyed and some where you abs- where you absolutely destroy people. It's it's a bit more swinging, I think, is my guess. Okay. okay. I have a pretty short answer. I think I think it's a solid deck and online. It's a pretty crappy deck in paper because everyone's gonna remember your face and yeah. as the reanimator guy. Uh, like it, I I, th- I think like reanimator in in uh. In comparison to like sub, let's say some something like sneak and show or storm, or maybe not as, not storm as much, but like sneak and show or maybe doomsday, like reanimator is very easy to hate because it you know the, um, counter magic is good and graveyard hate is good, um, so a lot of people will probably like I don't know keep their turn one reclaimer for turn two bojuka block kind of hands you know just more often mm-hmm. yeah especially like in these these smaller like three four round yeah. tournaments at, yeah. like your local game star or whatever. And people, yeah, it, it, and on top of that, people might even like adjust their sideboards. Like you, you see who's attending those tournaments, and before you submit, like it's right. a very common thing, right? It's like, oh, three more fairy up, got it. Yeah, yep. I feel about that. It's a very good point. It's super easy to hate. Yeah, I also kind of feel like if you're playing reanimator constantly, your at your store it might get a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to, there are people that really like their decks. So I'm not making too much fun of it, but. It's not the most fun deck to play against as well. So you might get like comments from people being, oh, you again. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Next question is from Marcus Ewald. Uh, most fun legacy matchups and why? Uh, most fun legacy matchups. So for me, one of the most awesome, like if I had to put together like a gauntlet of, hey, what is good magic? I would put something like, post top band miracles against elves back then because i felt like that was such a cool matchup from both sides uh because both like i think elves was even like advantaged uh but only only so much at that point and it made for really really good magic and understanding like timing and sequencing and so many things uh playing against uh mass removal versus trying to not like you like we say fade away against salt snapcaster swords and I really, really loved that matchup. Other than that, I also really loved playing Green White Maverick back like in 2011 against basically every deck, including like the, the broken combo decks, because you you had so much more game against most combo decks except Doomsday because that was, was just like wreck you. Uh, back then, uh, because the combo decks were just like so much worse, like so much worse. Like you, you if you haven't played back then, like pre Grizzlebrand combo decks were a lot more of a crapshoot outside of like I want to say like Doomsday, maybe Epic Storm and Ant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Kai. Um. Yeah. So. Um. I mean. I don't know. Um. You can. You can. You can literally say anything about like between burn mirrors or Omnitel mirrors. Maybe. I. I think. I think Omnitel mirrors in, back in our uh, Dictator time era w- were quite boring to watch except the one game uh on camera i know the one you mean it's insane the the one between you oh uh, yasuoka <laughs> oh, and, and uh and streamed uh, it actually i believe yeah right that that was a crazy uh, that was a crazy moment when uh, the, when you saw like Emrakul blocking oh, 
Oh. Yeah, Embercool blocking another Embercool. Oh, yes, with like with the through through the breach. Oh my god! And then like only right. having Omnitel in play. Julian, link, yeah, link that this was in crazy. the show notes at the end. This is one of okay, the best let me, let me put matches a, a I've ever here. seen in Legacy. I think that was like probably like the most fun game to watch in mm-hmm. all of man and all of paper yeah. uh, coverage. I want to say. Uh, uh, but, but, by, by the way, as we're talking about that, I think that's also a really really good match between. Uh, Thomas Innervoldsen playing against uh, Christoph something. I don't remember his name. Schrana or something. At GP Strasbourg 2013. Like, uh, surviving those Emrakul attacks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, right, yeah. Right. It, yeah. it might have actually been two Emrakul attacks yeah, that he survived uh, in the okay. semi-finals or quarterfinals. Yeah, so may- yeah, maybe Marcus, like, you know, you, it, it's you always something with Emrakul. It's, it's always something with Emrakul, you know? It's like always like Emrakul attacks and, you know, and something happens, you know? <laughs> Those type of games. It was also a really good match at um, SCG Richmond 2014 in the finals between Joe Lossett and Mark Koenig playing Death in Texas against Top Miracles. Oh yeah, the, the Viling in the Thalia. Yeah, yeah. Viling in the Thalia in response to the, the Miracles trigger and everything. This was one of the highest level matches I've ever seen. And the, the beauty of it, I was standing behind Mark and yeah, watching and the, the beauty of it, yeah, like we had the entire crew there. And the beauty of it was that for Every single thing that happened, both players were so much in the know and understood the matchup and everything that you, I think they could have almost like played it blindly because they knew what the other guy was going to do if they were going to do something. And it, it was like, oh. actually, I'm going to link that too. Yeah. Uh, it must be somewhere. Mark versus cool. Joe. So I think that Marcus is asking about like most fun matchups, not matches. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love current painter versus lands. Um, it's highly, highly interactive. Um, Megas kind of puts up like a hammer in the sideboard games, but especially game ones, like it, it can go either way. It's it's very very technical. There's like both of you are sagering and grabbing pivot needle. They are and they're going after your lands and you're using the goblins and you can use the goblins on their like mox diamonds and artifacts and stuff. It's super super technical. So that's that's my vote for current old ones. I used to love playing Charles against Delva. It always felt quite close but favored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I- I'm just happy you didn't say Shardless against Miracles. <laughs> no, that was too hard. <laughs> well, Shardless before they added Predict was like really easy, and then they added Predict, and it turned into like the hardest matchup you could imagine. It Predict was like swung the matchup so much they would just let Liliana resolve and like, yep, tick up, tick up. Oh, you're empty-handed. Now I'm just gonna like Predict, Predict, entreat you. <laughs> it was yeah. Damn. By the way, another matchup I want to shout out is from 2000. Was it 10? Um, ten, eleven, or something. When when uh, mental mischief was allowed, no rock versus back control. It was no rock was the deck I played back then. Uh, the only deck in Legacy that ever pulled off fourth Vendillion click and lived to tell the tale. It was such an amazing deck. That deck also taught me so much. It basically played four noble hierarch, four Vendillion click. Uh, I want to say three natural orders for progenitors and stuff, uh, like one of Rock Swarmonk that you would rarely natural order for, like uh, and all the cantrips, <laughs> Frost of Worlds, Lightning Bolts, and Sylvan Library. And I, I had so many amazing games uh, with that deck in that format. There was a limited amount of decks that you could actually play back then, and Back Control was one of them. And properly like playing out that matchup because it was all incredibly interactive was a real joy to do. And for yes, Mental Mist was banned. That's Overall, I'm on the side of that was good, but I I can't say I didn't enjoy the Mental Mister Meta game. You know what was also sick was um, Lurus Miracles versus Lurus Jeskai Delva. That was also crazy. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> All those stupid cards made for so much good, good yeah, magic, right? It, it was like no, obviously nothing over two mana, so it was all like very spell based. And obviously, Luris is like a hammer, but they, Luris would just get exiled by Source Flash from both decks. So the way um, JPA found the winning strategy was side in Tormod's Crypt and Force of Negations, counter like the one of Entreat, and then exile it with Crypt in response to like Mystic Sanctuaries, <laughs> and then he would deck them. And it worked almost every time, apparently. So that's insane. That's like yeah. high level strategy. What? Yeah, what a recipe. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. There's, there's cool stuff out there. Um, Next one. This is from D Aggressive B. This is another question for Kai. Who are the other 22 Julians? <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, I, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, I, I, I seriously don't know. Why is it Julian 23, by the way? Yeah, you want to know about that? That's actually... Um, but I think some people... There's want... a post on the source, right? No, it's, uh, I mean that, that's bec that's because you have to pick a number, right? Oh my, oh my God, no, yeah, that person with source. That, that I, I, that, there was a there's a thread on the source that's like introduce yourself, and I introduced myself and I tried to write the most hilarious, crazy, stupid story you that nobody would so ever long, believe. But everyone believed yeah. it. Yeah, I wrote it at work. I mean, that's why it's so long. <laughs> but it's the stupidest story that I grew up in Somalia and I took place in a fishing contest and there was a guy, Julian, and he would always do 23 of things and he'd, like he would, like I don't know, have 23 girlfriends. I don't even remember. And it's at some fishing tournament, he caught 23 fish where everybody else caught like two or three. And it was the most stupid story that nobody would ever believe. And then I, I remember I went to a tournament. And by the way, part of that story is that my real name is Frank, allegedly. And I just like, when I left Somalia, I took on that guy's name, Julian, because he was so impressive to me. And then just like randomly, Rodrigo Togoros looks over to me and, and tells me in German, he speaks German. Um, it's so weird that your real name is Frank. And I just look at him and I realize he actually took that story for real. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I don't even know where to start, dude. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a total sidestep. <laughs> the 23 just comes from, there's a movie, a German movie, 23. Not the, the American one with Jim Carrey. I've never watched that. But there's a German movie came out in the 90s uh, about, well, backstories, Illuminati, conspiracy. But that's not like the real thing. Uh, the backstory is about hacking in the 80s. And about a real German hacker who hacked for, I don't even know, I don't remember, like Russia or something, like some Soviet, whatever. Uh, he was basically a spy. Uh, and it's a real story, by the way. And that that movie grew an absolute fascination for me with like hacking and computer technology and everything. And yeah, the, the, the name of the movie was 23 because you know about the conspiracies with like 23 and, and yada, yada. So I just like added that to my name because I, I thought it's like, oh my God, it's so cool. And yeah, back then I... I, I remember my best friend and I, we went to the website of the Chaos Computer Club and they had a, a tutorial how to become a hacker. <laughs> that was, that was, must have been like seventh grade or something. And we printed that out and we shared it. And the, the first step was you have to learn to program. So we went to our school's programming course, uh, like us and like two other guys and a math teacher. And then we learned to program in, I think it was Pascal, if, if anybody listening to this knows what Pascal is. Uh, and from there, we had a step up to Delphi. And on the side, we taught ourselves uh, QBasic. And then we like we wrote programs and and text adventures and stuff. And I, I wrote like an early version of GTA. Like I, I wrote like a crime simulator, but without the graphics of GTA, it was like really shitty. And yeah, then <laughs> it sounds weird, but I always like try to sum it up. Then I discovered girls and then all of a sudden I wasn't that interested in becoming a hacker. <laughs> <laughs> also, girls I walked... Girls, right? 
Yeah, at least in some movies. And <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I also like what, another thing that contributed to me not pursuing that anymore uh, was my best friend and I, after we had like learned Delphi, we asked our teacher, okay, what's the next step up from Delphi? And he like mentioned C or C++, but probably C. And so we, we went into Schillerstraße in München, which is like where all the table dance and computer shops are. So we walk into the computer shop and we we like we literally ask the guy for C and he takes it off the shelf or whatever and he quotes okay it's like nine hundred Deutsche Mark like what like a computer game is like eighty H- how is this piece of software like almost a thousand and he's like yeah that's what it costs and then we're like this is ridiculous this doesn't even make sense yeah. and then we left again and that's how my programming career died I guess <laughs> so yeah, this is why there's a twenty three <laughs> okay um there's a second question. When selecting a deck for paper play, do you give any consideration to whether you get to use sweet old cards or special printings of basic lands? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, for for, for uh, basic lands, very much. Yeah. And I also try to basically, except for brainstorm, I want to say, I always try to pr- uh, play the first printing of any card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't push me so far that I would say, oh, I will play this deck because it's going to allow me to play this card. Except for like, I don't know if, if survival ever became legal and I can play a recurring nightmare and survival again. Oh, <laughs> I, I would play the deck even if it wasn't like the best. Yeah. Uh, but it's not that it actually pushes me into decks I otherwise wouldn't want to play. Yeah. So right. I think the question is really like, actually, I don't make any, I don't choose to play any cards over something I think is better because it's like a sweet old card. But when I get to use like old border cards or nice basic lands, I absolutely will. And um, yeah. Deck aesthetics is a, is a big thing in Legacy, I think, and I, it's part, part of what I love about the format. Right. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, there was this one infamous uh, top 8 deck list, Alex GB top 8 deck list, uh, with like only three polluted deltas in the storm list. Um, <laughs> must oh. have, it must have been like a crazy, yeah, probably like a crazy whatever dude, you know, yeah. don't, don't even, that's, don't that's even care. But Some confused was, uh, German-Japanese dude. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much because uh, there were only three foil polluted deltas. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's and, like, in, 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 I, so that's a fashion I, statement. Like, it, it was not even like, I, I couldn't even, there was a, I, I saw that fourth polluted delta in foil uh, in one of the booths. It was just too expensive, you know. And I had this like crappy flooded strand. It was actually it was pretty damaged. Um, but <laughs> man, but it was foil. It was foil. That that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, welcome welcome to the team. <laughs> okay. Cool. Next question. Barney is a dog is asking, who is the better magic player, and why is it Julian? Yeah, actually, but why is it Julian? Yeah, why is it Julian? <laughs> this is the hardest is question it? I've ever been asked. <laughs> is it like the the, the 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 best magic player between the three of us or something? Or how, how do I understand it? Well, it's, it's or the better magic Kai, player so. in the world? It's not Kai? Okay, no, we, we got to figure this out. I mean, it's that, it's that, dude. <laughs> uh, but, seri- but seriously, though, I think I think that um when if this was like 2013, was it th- yeah 2013 i would have definitely said it was uh, julian because of that bazaar of marks and mm-hmm. is this uh, a compliment the, or is this just the yeah, opposite this is <laughs> seriously though because like i think like because like in 2013 the um it was the biggest gap between your uh your and my um how to say like 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 play like skill level maybe in legacy because like you were really up way up there and i was like this crappy I just got into Legacy, played my first Storm deck, you know, it's the Epic Storm, I really don't know what I'm doing kind of person, you know. I felt like there was, like, such a big gap back then, but 
Now I kind of I kind of want to directly challenge you again and, and see how you guys should go, do it. Maybe. Actually, the only way we can sort this out is our EDH game of kind. Of <laughs> who's, the only, who's the best only EDH in player? Commander. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out who the best really is. <laughs> or maybe funny. if we get a um, a Legacy Premier League again, we can see who does better. Actually, this this directly feeds into the next question, right? Oh shit! Yeah, the, uh, oh, the yeah. next one is from of Alex and Oko. If the hosts were to play each other but use the other player's deck, who would be victorious and prove to be? The more advanced magic mind. Now, this one is really interesting because <laughs> I, I I don't think I, I as I said earlier I think like an hour or two hours ago, I said that I've never activated a grindstone in my life. Now, I really I still don't really know how to do it. You tap three mana <laughs> and you activate it. It's well, like it's, you, you got to pick a target. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I got yeah I got to pick a target you, first. You choose yourself. Yeah, but then I also have to like, tap those lands. I don't know if this is like left or right well, in game. That's that's that's, that's so confusing. Just Excelsior yeah. Spirit, Seamus Spirit Guides. Be the real ape. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, for me, I want to say like I feel reasonably comfortable playing Painter, having played it quite a bit uh, ever since like Callum started like teaching us about it. Uh, Doomsday is the one deck like I've I've always been saying for the better part of my quote unquote career that I feel comfortable with pretty much any legacy deck except for goblins which i've never really played uh but doomsday is i guess the second exception i think i've i've played uh the epic storm i've played at nauseam tendrils uh, both of them quite a bit but doomsday is the one deck like i, I guess i could piece together some standard piles and, and do okay but i don't feel comfortable playing it especially not in the face of hate mm -hmm. i feel fairly confident with both okay we solved it yeah Adam's the most advanced Damn. magic mind <laughs> Doom Sick. doomsday like i played the least and i'm i'm not great with doomsday and ant but i could definitely do it and you just put you just put that well, this is not about whether you can do it i can also do it dude like anyone can tap three underground seas yes i, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know callum is the guy like we're, we're like a team in some kind of like stressful situation callum's gonna step forward and be like oh yeah i can do this and like once he starts doing it okay callum how many times have you actually done this like <laughs> yeah well it's gonna be about the first time now <laughs> okay there's, there's an amazing um i've got an image or a screenshot of when that oracle just came out and ethan formicello was doing really well at the beginning i was trying out a bunch and i got this perfect picture of me having a tome on kill i went through the process and then i it was when predict and then unearth was the the kill I named Island, but I was actually playing a snow-covered island. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And obviously, Damn. I got Wasteland and lost. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm 100% that person who's like, yeah, I could do it. It's easy. And then rock up. And it's like, guys, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, I guess we got the last question coming up now. Yeah. What is from uh, Jace Alpha? What is the strangest place you've played a game of magic? In a bus. Yeah, that was um that was eight year no it was nine year old Kai in a school bus uh played magic for with his friends because uh, we don't we didn't have really a lot mm -hmm. of time and like the the the, uh, the bus uh, the bus ride was about like thirty minutes and uh usually I spend like most of my bus rides like doing homework like you know like last minute homework but um like some sideboard some, maps and stuff yeah. yeah but some days dude I I <laughs> didn't like back in the day I didn't even know what a sideboard yeah, was yeah. so uh. Dude, we played like I don't know, like like fifty three card decks against each other and and oh if, like back in the day like, I, only... I had like a hundred and fifty card mono black deck with nightmare and like ten <laughs> hand of deaths it was the sickest definitely <laughs> uh, there's so many swamps yeah so many mine's also gonna be from my childhood like 
I remember playing when I when I first got Magic the first time. I got Portal stuff and played on like the beaches in Devon and like in uh, sheds and everything all over the place. We just had some random decks and we'd play everywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, for me it's pretty easy. It's it's Belgium. Belgium's <laughs> the weirdest place. It's the strangest place. <laughs> <laughs> you just like you just name a country. <laughs> oh, I don't get to name. Okay, if I don't get to name a country. But the strangest place I've played poker as a church, but I guess that doesn't count. <laughs> um, the strangest place I've watched somebody play Magic was on a plane to the US, playing across the aisle. <laughs> Just like that's some proper addiction, I guess. But the strangest place I've played would be in on the in the very top of a tower of a cathedral in Bristol, England. Mm. It was in eighth grade. We did a, a student exchange to Bristol Cathedral School. And my friend and I, we just like, we met on the top of the tower because that's like where some of the players sometimes, have, like because all the, the English guys there also played Magic. It was kind of funny. Like we, we developed the local scene at the same time that they did. And then like the two worlds clashed when the student exchange happened. And yeah, we we played and in, in really like almost like in a... You got to look it up, Bristol Cathedral School. I don't know if it still exists, it should, I guess. Uh, the very top of the tower. And at some point, I remember one of the English guys, he came running up the tower. They were like, what are you guys doing here? And we're like playing magic. He's like, you're supposed to be in class. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they had been looking for us all over the... the well, I thought this is class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're learning about thorn elemental attacking, right? That's that's how you do it. Thorn elemental was oh, completely thorn. unbeatable. What were they thinking yeah. with that card? Yeah. yeah, like that 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 whole trip was crazy. We played like eight player multiplayer games. <laughs> like they never finished. Oh, I definitely did that. Like went to a friend's and there was like a ten person thing. You just like go for lunch for an hour while it's coming back around to you. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, this I guess concludes our mailbag episode. It might actually have been the first one we ever did. It's yeah. This is literally the longest episode we ever did. I'm pretty sure. At I, was gonna, I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> so again, episode. as Kai like joined the cast and he's like general questions like how long do they usually go? We're like an hour to an hour and a half maybe. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> we will see. Not a single one under two hours so far. I think. Yeah, is it really okay maybe we're gonna try to aim more for one and a half hours but we will see so yeah with that guys uh was my pleasure it was a great time hanging out with you i'm not looking forward to editing this behemoth but i think this is pretty smooth sailing here uh you guys people listening if you want to support everyday channel please leave a review on apple podcasts really helps us out but also helps helps out other people discovering the podcast when they want to find out more about legacy and if you want to join the Discord, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. With that, if you want to follow us, you can find us on at EternalMTG on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me on itsjulian23 on Twitter and itsjulian on Twitch. Callum, where can people find you? I'm at CallumSmithMTG on Twitch and Twitter. Okay, and I'm Sawatarix on all social media platforms and my homepage sawatarix.com. Oh, this is, I'm so envious every single time. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to go back to Mark Mallard 2000. I think that should still be available everywhere. Easy. By the way, Bob Wang actually thought I was literally changing my nickname. I love that so much. He was like actually giving me that talk about how this is like an established brand and I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> what is that Mark Mallard 2000 crap? I love that. <laughs> So yeah, shout outs to everybody who's listening, who's supporting the podcast, especially on Eternal Witness tier, Tommy Hinks, Testacula, Sebastian Holaga, Guillaume, Hanawar Elf, Sean Dewey, Francis Cooper, and Severin Schwarzhuber. 
And on Grizzlebrand here, Victor Bernhardt, Bacho Butt, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henrik Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Andrew Whitman, and Paragon Games and St. Louis. Everybody, have a good end of summer, a good start into autumn, duh, 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 and see you again for the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. See you, everyone.